2: back everybody to wrestling omakase It is episode number 119 and this week i'm pleased to be joined by two returning guests uh both from the voices of wrestling website first of all on his third straight week hello taylor are you getting sick of me yet
1: hi no and actually uh it's a extra exciting week because i believe that this is my 20th appearance on this on this podcast
2: I'm glad you kept track of that because I I did. Record
1: breaking. Well, someone asked me recently, and I had no idea. So they went back and counted how many times (laughs) I had appeared. Uh, So did all the work for me, which was nice. Was I don't know know? someone in the someone in the Slack in the Voices of Wrestling Slack did it. But yes, this is big number twenty.
2: Big number twenty. Oh, it was Jack, right? Isn't that it was? Probably. Yeah, that sounds right. Jack put together like a big spreadsheet counting all the guests, and I was like, "Well, I'm, I'm glad you you care enough to do it." <laughs> I have like a list by a list by year, but I pretty much just have that so I know who to give the prestigious Omakase Award ballot to. And then, uh, you know, after that, basically, like, then I just mark off when people send in their ballots. So, which neither of you have done yet. You only have a month and a half
1: to go. The year's not over.
2: (laughs) It's true. We're not even in the last month of the year. (laughs) I did get two bouts already. So there you go. Uh, One from a source I did not expect to, I did not really expect to submit a bout at all. And the other from just a a person. No, no (laughs) you know, a person. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would hate uh, to be that person. (laughs) Also on the line is Mr. Aaron Bentley from Everything Evolves. Hello, Aaron. Everything elite. Oh God. Did I really say that?
0: It's a, it's a new brand. Come we're here on. to
2: talk about we're here to talk wow. about a fucking AEW show and I called it Everything Evolves. Well no, we're here to talk about how Matt Seidel walk, may have walked out of a match or whatever the fuck happens on Evolved this past weekend. No, we're here to talk about AEW. Everything elite.
0: Hey, did, you you all, did have you all heard that there's a post wrestling podcast called Everything Evolves? Now, is there really? Yes, it was just brought to my attention today. It's very funny. I did I not know, know that. that. <laughs>
1: That's
2: crazy.
0: Someone has responded to them and said that name sounds familiar. <laughs>
2: That's yeah, very funny. Uh, so, Aaron, you're here because one day on in the Slack, you you like took a photo of yourself like on one knee and you put your hands in the end. You said, John. Please let me come on the only podcast on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network that still cannot get a fucking ad. And let me plug my new Patreon. So, buddy, when you give me that kind of, that pleading, like, puppy dog eyes, I had to do it. So, go ahead. Plug your, right off the bat, plug the new Patreon. Well, this is kind of like an ad, so it's like you got
0: an ad, except I'm not paying you. So.
2: <laughs> yes, except that no, no money is exchanging here. But sure,
0: no, just paying you with my with my time, obviously. <laughs> uh, so, everything elite. Uh, if you haven't listened yet, it's the uh, it's the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. That basically means we will find any way we can to shoehorn in anything else that's vaguely adjacent to AEW. Uh, because, you know, it can be boring to just talk about the same promotion all the time. So I have a sense that maybe some of John's listeners don't care for AEW. Uh, <laughs> but if that's not true, if I'm wrong about that, you should check out our free show that's on the VOW network. Uh, but if you are into AEW, you should also check out our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash everything elite. And what we're doing on there is... Basically, it gives us an opportunity to talk about non-AEW things. So we're going to talk about uh, New Japan and stardom. Uh, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis on Twitter, is going to do a show talking about promotions that are kind of adjacent to AEW, like AAA, DDT, uh, GCW, and Hogg. Uh Aaron Taub and myself are going to start doing a show again called The Aarons. And Mike Spears is going to give some OWE content. So... Plenty of good stuff right now. This is not going to appeal to most of your fan base, I'm sure, but we have a two-hour podcast featuring Rich Krejci talking about the full career of one Cody Rhodes. So check that out, patreon.com slash everything elite. There's a tier for every budget. (laughs) What
2: what are your tiers? What are your price tiers?
0: All right, we got a $3 tier, and at $3 you get a weekly show called AEW Light, where we uh, preview... Wednesday night dynamite show on Wednesday morning. Cause they don't announce a lot of the matches a week in advance. When we do our free show on Thursday nights, it often isn't available yet. You get that and you get one of the bonus shows that, w- that I was just talking about per month. The $5 feed a $5 tier gets you all the bonus shows that we do. Anything we put out. And um, that includes instant reaction shows after the pay-per-view. So we just did a full gear instant reaction show on Saturday night. And then there's an $8 tier that I have uh, very, uh, brilliantly deemed the inner circle tier. And that gets you, it's very exciting. Uh, the Everything AEW account will follow you on Twitter and you get run sheets from our main show every week and then for some of the bonus shows. That's basically just for our uh, real big fans who just want to pitch in a little extra. So those are the tiers.
2: Wow. Sounds like a tier for every budget, as you said. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, Aaron, um, you've made the big plug i have you it's funny you announced this like maybe a day after like me taylor and uh thomas fishbeck and the slack were talking about like maybe doing an omakase uh patreon for like ddt do coverage but it's like damn it they beat us to the punch
0: well, that's very different content, obviously. <laughs> I don't um, I don't
2: know if we would actually do that anyway. It's something we're just like banging around. I, I would be very embarrassed if I like started a Patreon and we had like five <laughs> subscribers. So, yeah, so we, we kept
0: our patron number private until it reached a non embarrassing number and then we made it public. So it's gone okay so far. Uh we've got, have? we have fifty eight patrons as of right now. And uh, you know, only going up, I'm sure.
2: Yeah. So what? what's your like, do you have like a goal in your head? I'm curious as like a podcaster to podcaster here. Uh,
0: well, I don't, it's hard to say because as you know, the numbers since we moved over to red circle have been a little harder to, uh, to grasp. And yeah. so my understanding from talking to other people is you can expect to convert about five to 10% of your free listeners. And uh, that's what we hope to do, but I don't know exactly what those numbers are. I'm very happy I wanted to have uh, over 50 in the first week, and we've done that. So, you know, from here, we'll
2: just uh, see what we can add. All right. Very cool. Uh, and, and by the way, I don't I don't think that DO thing is going to happen for the people. Listening. <laughs> if anyone, like, DMs me later and be like, oh, you're doing the Patreon. It's like, no, probably not. It's more just, like, a time thing, you know? Unless like the I people wanna...
1: rise up and demand it, then. You
2: might. <laughs> I like, I really want my time to be able to, like, I don't know watching hk world or something like some dumb fucking weeaboo shit but you know how much how many hours are you putting in air into this thing you think
0: a lot um <laughs> because the you know the prep is is a lot of it you know we did rich and i talked for two hours about cody and it took me many more than two hours to go through his whole career and get notes ready for everything uh, mike and i do a like a 20 minute show on wednesday mornings but you know i got to watch all of dark and, and get ready for that So, you know, all told, I bet I've got at
2: least 10 hours a week in this bad boy. Yeah, it's a lot. It's like a second job. So uh, anyway, so that's the Patreon. So we're going to talk about a AEW show. So I guess that's a good transition. Uh, AEW full gear from this past Saturday night. Now, Aaron, you said you don't think that this, the listeners of the show are big AEW fans. Is there any particular reason for that?
0: Well, I I shouldn't say that you're not a big AEW fan, but you're not the biggest AEW fan, I suppose. And so I'm guessing people would not continue listening to this if they just completely disagreed <laughs> with you.
2: I got some real fucking hate. The, the, the show that really pissed people off was uh the Double or Nothing review that me and uh, my buddy Quinlan did, because Quinlan, like, I wouldn't say he buried the show, but he was like, you know, very mixed on it when the entire rest of the internet thought it was like the greatest show of all time. And so we got a lot of negative feedback to that episode. But like, people were basically being like, what the fuck? The show was great, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, since then, just like my other AW episodes, I really haven't gotten any negative feedback. So I don't know if uh, either my takes are more in, or my and, or the guest takes are more in line with consensus or like, all the people who listen to that double or nothing episode just stop listening forever or what, but uh, there you go. Well,
0: I'm and glad man, you this- have me on. Cause I called double or nothing, the best American pay-per-view of all time.
2: <laughs> I don't, well, I don't even. Okay. So my thing isn't even just, it's not specific to double or nothing or AW. What I'm realizing watching this is I don't like American wrestling anymore. And I guess I should have known that a long time ago, probably, but I just thought it was because like, WWE was so bad, you know, that like, you know, maybe if, you know, a promotion really rose up. But like, it's, I like the weekly TV. I watch it every week. I've, you know, for the most part enjoyed it. And, you know, I actually thought this past week's episode was like probably one of the best ones they've done with like two four star matches. But like the the, the long, like pay per views, and we'll, we'll get into it here in a second. The pay per views are rough for me. Like the longer events, I, I, I find them much more entertaining as like a two week television show. Than I do is like a long pay per because these these shows just feel like very long and it's like a wrestling style I'm not really that into, other than the Joshi match and, you know, the I don't know, like it just grates on me by the end. I'm just like, okay, I'm really ready for this to be over. But maybe that's just me. Maybe no one else feels that way. But the TV, I, I do a much better job of the TV, which is, which is paced really well. You know, the is just like boom, 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 boom. And you'll get like a big long promo that's, that's usually pretty good. And I enjoy it. Like, probably my favorite part of AEW is actually probably the promo so far, which you don't really get on these pay-per-views, obviously. So, I don't know if you... I'm sure you disagree with me, everything I just said, Aaron, but...
0: Not really. I, I also, other than Double or Nothing, I've liked the TV a lot more than the pay-per-views. I think they've been mostly too long, and often there are matches within it that go way too long. Uh, and yeah. like you pointed out, they really don't have that... They don't have the ability to do that on TV because they've got to get through all this stuff. So I was I was very hypercritical of the build to this pay-per-view. And I think that resulted in um, I I still think it was a pretty good show. And I'll talk about, you know, I had three matches at four stars or better. So, you know, that's a pretty good show, in my opinion. But there was a lot that uh, that left something to be desired.
2: Tanner, what do you think of the show? as a whole and I guess also the pay-per-view versus TV thing.
1: Uh, I agree about the TV versus pay-per-view, although I have like some of the pay-per-views. It's sort of been up and down for me. Like I feel as if I really like one and then the following one I don't like. Maybe it's the expectation where my expectation goes up and then the next one it can't live up to it. So it sort of comes in below and then I recalibrate my expectation. So the next one I sort of enjoy. And I have really liked the TV as someone who hasn't really... um, You know, John, I think you're the same. I grew up with WCW. Um, I was a WCW watcher, which obviously ended, um, you know, in the early 2000s. And I never really caught on to watching Raw on a weekly basis. Um, You know, I'd hear about something XYZ and I might, you know, like, I remember when Nexus happened. Um, I tuned in the next week and I just found the show horrible. And so I would stop watching where I would hear something, I would tune in maybe a week or two, and then I'd fall off, where I found I really enjoy even, you know, I like what's going on. I like the matches, the promos and everything. But I also like the rhythm of being like, oh, it's, you know, it's Wednesday and it's time to, you know, watch the show again. Uh, So I've really enjoyed sort of being a weekly uh, wrestling television watcher, which I've never done or haven't done um, in my, certainly in my adult life. Uh, for probably at least 20 years so
2: so you know, yeah I, what? I was gonna say you know the, the last show that i watched weekly for a long time was probably impact <laughs> thinking about it like as far as like for long like for years it was yeah actually impact. that's
1: probably true although i was sort of same in and out although that was more like i'd watch a couple weeks and then i might miss some weeks and then i'd be back again or yeah. you know i'd watch it on you know later or whatever but this is sort of more like this is the one that's been you know i i think i missed one episode but it's been pretty appointment uh for me where i've tried to catch it live whenever i can which i really don't do with anything else yeah some so so at the work at the sort of the low base of it is i'm having a good time watching even if you know i think this pay-per-view i had sort of a weird feeling about it where i was with aaron where i had um Actually, quite a few matches I enjoyed, but the show sort of ended, and I felt like the show wasn't good. Even though looking back, I thought highly of a bunch of matches, which um, is sort of strange, and I can't really ex- explain. But maybe going through the match, you know, individual uh, matches will maybe clarify. You know, my end feeling of more negativity than I would have imagined.
2: Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have anything that had four stars in this show, and that that again could be, just be my my own personal taste with the, with the wrestling style. Like there's, there were a couple of matches that were very close, like in the last three matches kind of saved it for me. But before that, I, I wouldn't call this uh, a great show. And the crowd of course really heard it. I think that's pretty, even people who, who said they loved the show would admit like, you know, the crowd, the crowd just wasn't, I don't know. Like they, they claim that the crowd was loud, but just, uh, you know, not, uh, it wasn't Mike dwell or something. But you know, I don't. I'm not really sure if uh you know that's. uh I don't know how true that is. In other words, because like, because like if they if they can mic like the crowd every week on TV, what the fuck is the difference in uh, you know just for the fucking pay per view?
0: Yeah, I kind of doubt the veracity of that. To be honest, like I don't know. I think you can tell when a crowd isn't into it, and they, this crowd was not as into it as the TV crowd has been or the previous pay per view. Crowd. So they're telling me that they forgot between the last show and this show how to like the crowd.
2: Yeah, it is really weird, but um, but I, I had I had like basically a uh, let me I give give him a shout out uh, a silent flute on Twitter. That's his at. He was at the show and he offered to like give me some um like some live notes and they were you know interesting and he didn't seem to he didn't mention the crowd being like. Uh, you know, down. So I think it sounded louder in, in the building to people because I heard that from a few people. But like, um, you know, not so much like. No, he he didn't say it was like the hottest crowd he's ever been in or anything. Which I think, if you asked a lot of people on for the TV so far and for like Double or Nothing or All Out, they might tell you that was like the hottest crowd they've ever been in. I mean, you were what? You were at All Out, right? Aaron. Yes, I was. So, I mean, was that – how did that – because you were also at All-In the year before or no? You were, I think. Yeah, like it was totally. I was at All-In. So, how did the crowd compare the two years?
0: Well, the All-In crowd is a different thing because it was, like, the first time. And so, I think the, the people were nuts. I mean, I, I just remember when SCU came out at All-In, like, it's the very first thing that happened. And I just was blown away by how crazy the crowd went for SCU of all things. And so I, I, the all in crowd was better, but all out was still, I mean, it was nuts. I mean, especially when like Cody came out, the crowd was crazy for Cody. I did realize at all out that, uh, that like pack wasn't as big of a star as maybe I thought he was coming off his WWE run. But for all the people who were already over, it was a, it was a loud crowd.
2: I do want to mention too, maybe my favorite note from, uh, the, the asylum flute guy that sent me this, all this stuff, uh, from being in the building, he said there's still like a shit ton of Bullet Club shirts, which I just find kind of funny. I guess nobody, nobody bothered to get new, those new elite shirts, which I have to say are not, not that cool looking. I don't know. I mean, like, I get the, even though I would not really wear a Bullet Club shirt, I get the aesthetic appeal of a Bullet Club shirt, whereas all those new, like, elite shirts they did afterwards, I don't know. They look kind of like try hard or something, but. I don't know. Do you disagree? Anyone disagree? I want to speak up for elite merch.
0: None of the AW merch is good except the Rico.
2: <laughs> <track>. Yes. <laughs> um, so there you go. Uh, so let's talk about full gear. It started with the buy in, where Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, uh, did you know she's a dent- dentist, defeated B Priestley by submission with the locked jaw in 1128. If you told me this match actually went 11 hours and 28 minutes, I would probably believe you. Uh, this felt fucking just endless. Uh, terrible mat wrestling, very boring. be used about a million rest holds, which in hindsight was probably good because it was the only thing that didn't fuck up. Uh, Britt Baker at one point hit the worst clothesline in wrestling history, and then they fucked up like a cutter or a stutter or something where they just completely messed it up. Uh, so I gave it one star because at one point there was a dive to the floor. That was fine. That's about it. What'd you think of the dentist and B. Priestley Taylor?
1: Well, I thought the the video that they showed uh, before and during that countdown or wherever they, wherever else they showed it was terrible. Um, but I thought if they're going to go with this idea of B being dangerous She should have come out and knocked Britt down, kicked her in the back of the head and knocked her out and pinned her one, two, three, because then all of a sudden you've got a big heel that you've just put over to be like, oh, this person is very scary. Instead, they do sort of an even match where B wins. And then at the end, you're like, well, who cares about this? No, Britt Baker won. That's what I meant. (laughs) Britt Baker won. And you're like, oh, well, I guess this is all done then. And who cares about B because she's obviously a loser. She can't, you know, win a match. Uh, so I thought it was not good. Britt Baker is um, not a good wrestler. Uh, she's not even really a great talker. Um, she's a dentist, though. She is a dentist. But I don't know. I've never been to her practice, so <laughs> I don't even know if she's a good dentist. I don't, she may be terrible. Um, um <laughs> maybe i'll have to visit set an appointment and uh get my cleaning or whatever but yeah uh
2: match i i did not enjoy what, what i would say about the other thing i want to mention too is like you talked about that countdown video y- you can use a legitimate injury in you know as part of a wrestler's persona without it being like that fucking work shoot horse shit where she all should she didn't call me afterwards to tell me i asked how i felt she's your fucking opponent Why the fuck should she be calling you because she gave you a concussion? That's so fucking stupid. I mean, like, look, Chris Benoit, like, broke, was it Sabu, right? He broke Sabu's neck. And, like, that's why he got that crippler Chris Benoit nickname. They weren't like, oh, well, Chris Benoit, you know, uh, wasn't very uh, fucking cooperative. No, they were just like, he crippled the man. He's the crippler. So B Priestley could have been, I don't know, the fucking concussor. Or something like the, or the or something where she knocks people out, like you said, and got in there and knocked her the fuck out and pinned her. And you would have been like, Oh, B's so dangerous, um, you know, she knocked her out again. Instead it's like, Oh, well, B is B is dangerous, but they have heat and she didn't call her. It's like work shoot bullshit, and then she loses anyway. So yeah, this is really bad. Aaron, are you gonna defend the fucking dentist? I'm the
0: highest person in the world on this match.
2: I think that's <laughs> clear.
0: I thought it was absolutely fine. Uh, Other, I mean, like Britt Baker is very bad, and a lot of her clunkiness hurt the match. But I thought B really got some good stuff going during the match. It's just they couldn't really complete uh, what they were trying to complete because Britt Baker is uh, an above-average pro wrestler. The problem with the build for me was, yes, the the Britt Baker promo sucked, but they had a really good promo from B that they basically just posted on Twitter. And if they had run, oh yeah, where she said
2: like you're a fucking dentist. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, I don't think B is a great talker. Like in stardom, she doesn't strike me as a great talker. But this was a really good promo. But of course, the problem was that they intended to put uh, Britt over. So, uh, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do there? I, I kind of hoped it looked to me like Kenny had kind of won the the battle in the in the diva the Divas division. Fuck in the <laughs> women's division. Uh, All right, that,
2: that's worse than me calling it everything. Everything evolves. What's that's
0: funny what's is what I, mean. I was going to call it the Joshi division. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> In <laughs> her brain with the Divas division. Uh, so I thought maybe Britt was being cycled down. Like, yeah, she wins this match, but it's overshadowed by the angle right after. But then their social media, like earlier today, was like Britt Baker getting back on the path to challenge Riho. I'm
2: like, fuck.
0: So I thought the match was fine, uh, but I'm not excited about Britt Baker ever wrestling.
1: Um, also, it was just one other point. It was very weird. I did note through the night, in other matches that people were kicking each other in the back of the head um, or at least near the back of the head. And I'm like, it's very weird that this one match it's sort of frowned upon. Oh, they're very dangerous, but in other matches, you know, no one really says anything and it's fine.
2: Yeah. I don't, it doesn't really make any sense. Um, but yeah, so really bad and continues a string of like, I don't know. What was the all out pre show? I don't even remember now. Obviously, I remember that mm. double or nothing fucking Battle Royale.
0: They had the
1: women's Battle games. Royale.
2: Oh, yeah, that was pretty good, actually.
1: There was one that yeah. was good.
2: But, yeah, so I guess it was all out. So they're two, they're one for three in these free shows. Uh they have to get over like there's two people that they're pushing really, really you know, in, in a really shitty way, you know, and like it's really di- detrimental to the company. Uh Britt Baker, and the other one I know from your tweets you're gonna disagree with me on air, but Sean Spears. I mean, if they, got rid of, if they got rid of both of those people, my enjoyment of this company would, like, shoot into the sky, probably.
0: No, I'm, I'm not really going to defend Sean Spears. I just think that the hate he gets is, is uh, outsized for what he is on the show.
2: That's fair, I guess. We'll talk about when we get to it. Um, Matt's number two, the proud and the powerful defeating the Young Bucks. Uh, that result came in 21 minutes. Wow. I wonder why this match felt so fucking long Um, with the Street Sweeper. So why don't you start here, Aaron? What do you think of the Proud and the Powerful and the Bucks? This is the
0: first match I had of four stars on this card. I know that you and others uh, hated it. I thought it was excellent. I I loved, especially once they got into the the story of, of Nick hurting his leg by kicking the ring post, his selling after that I thought was excellent when he tries to jump up on the rope and falls down. That's extremely my shit. If anybody gets hurt in a match and then they sell by trying to complete a, a move, but failing to do it because of the injury, I will up that by at least one star. Uh, I just, I liked, you know, them trying hard to fight back, uh, you know, when Matt was hurt, but they kind of couldn't make it all the way. I just, I think this match was mainly hurt for people because their expectation was, uh, spot fest leading off the show, which may have been a better way to start the show, to be honest. but, I think people, because of that, downgraded what was uh, a very good match
2: on its own. Um, Taylor, what do you think?
0: Well,
1: I guess I'm one of the people who disagreed. I thought this was terrible. Uh, <laughs> I did not like it. I was so confused at the beginning with the with the stuff with tagging the foot, and I, d- I didn't understand what the point was. I thought, oh, it's going to lead to something later in the match where someone does something and it's a callback to this, oh, you can't tag a foot or whatever. But unless I totally missed something, it didn't. And I have to say that I probably like the Bucks at least more than John does. Um, But it's funny that they sort of figured out this formula of, oh, one of us gets injured uh, during the match about, now, about what two years ago, yeah, uh, or so, in those uh Rapongi 3K matches, and now it seems like every time they have to lose, it's always like, Oh, you know, they lost a private party in the tag tournament, and that was totally clean, and it was great, it got over private party, that was really great, but it does sometimes feel like they. Say okay, well we're gonna lose, and we'll always have the built-in excuse of, oh I hurt my back, my back is hurt, my you know oh I kicked the you know ring post, my leg is hurt. I mean that back thing that whichever one I don't even remember which buck it was, had it. Was
2: it. Mad. it was Matt. I it.
1: mean they did it in matches for about seven months, where every time they lost it was like well you know he's got that bad back and and I do sometimes wish that they could just. You know, it's like, well, we were beat um, <laughs> by a better team, which they did for Private Party, which is good. But it just feels like a pattern that they figured something out that people liked, and now they just want to keep going back and back and back to it. And also, I just thought 21 minutes was so incredibly—it <laughs> was so incredibly long. Uh, so I didn't—I didn't enjoy it.
2: Um, yeah, I don't. I'm definitely with you. I went two and a quarter. Uh, you know, I gave it a little bit of a... I gave it a little credit for some nice spots, I guess. And Nick's selling... I don't know. It was... Nick Nick sold it, like, really over the top, which, you know, that can work. But then he, like, blew it off at the end. So, I'm like, if you're going to sell, like, your fucking leg has been shot, you can't then be running around doing all these fucking spots at the end. That just... That kills it for me. Like, either pick one. Like, sell a little bit and then run at the end, or... Fucking sell like you're dead and then stay dead. Don't just recover and have your leg be fine. So whatever. I know people think that's nitpicky, but that, you know, it does bother me. Um, It's like at one point, he just threw like a million perfect kicks in a row. And then all of a sudden was like, oh yeah, my leg. So I'm like, okay. Um, But yeah, it just, it was long. It was boring in spots. It just wasn't very good. And, you know, especially I think it, it might've set a bad tone for the crowd. um, You know, as far as like, being invested in the rest of the show and and like Aaron even admitted it, even though he liked the match, I think it just wasn't what people were expecting from this. I think people were expecting like a, you know, a 10 minute sprint, which I think would have gone over a lot better. And this could be a case where like, which I do think, uh, you know, this narrative has some merit with AEW, like, you know, freedom is great and creative freedom is awesome, but like, you're gonna, that's going to result in a more uneven product you know like it, maybe if this you know happens in New Japan if the Bucks are still there they get told, told by Gato to go out there and give you know a fucking 12 minute sprint in the opener and that's what they do and you know the, the show gets off to you know a more a fast paced start here it's like well we're the fucking EVPs this is a match we want to do and we're going to get 21 minutes and it just wasn't the right spot for a 21 minute like you know slow paced match with these two teams especially so Anyway, um, that's match number two. Match number three: Hangman Adam Page defeating Pac. Uh, he beat him with the Dead Eye, uh, that went eighteen fifty three. Taylor, why don't you start this time? I don't have too many specifics about this one. I liked it. I thought
1: it was. Um... Like I was probably weirdly like more than three and a half stars, but less than three and three quarter stars. I was sort of in that range where I thought it was good. I didn't think it was anything blow away. I just think it was um, pack. I really enjoy watching him. I think he's obviously been great in Dragon Gate this year. He's done some great stuff in AEW. So I thought it was it was a solid match. I thought it was in a good place on the card where it didn't really try and go out and, and blow everyone away um, in the second spot. So I enjoyed it, but I don't have too many specific um, either positives or negatives about it.
2: Uh, oh, you, you wouldn't even give it a star rating.
1: So what's in between a half and three fourths? Oh, um, sorry. I didn't I
2: three didn't and
1: three
0: and five ace. <laughs>
2: sure.
0: Aaron. This is the second match. I had four stars on the show. I told you earlier that there's only three, so now we're going to be waiting a while before we get to another one. But I thought this was excellent. I, I think Pax matches generally kind of struggle when he's uh, on top. I think he can be a little boring in his offense. Uh, it's just like plotting. I don't know if it's boring, but it's definitely plotting. Uh, but this is another step in the Rebuilding of Adam Page. He was, you know, dead at that, uh, at the all out main event against Jericho. And it looked like they might have to try something completely new with him, but they stayed the course. And it seems like they've made their way back to making this guy a star. He's at least on its way. So uh, I thought it was really good. It did what it was supposed to do.
2: Uh, Yeah, I I didn't like this as much. I, I liked it. I went three and a quarter, but the complaints I would have were. I just found packs like long heat segment very boring, and it felt like you know again two matches. This is back to like the how the show was structured. I don't know if I would have started with two straight matches that you know 21 minutes and almost 19 minutes that both f- featured really long heat segments that may have been a factor in why the crowd was so you know often so dead on the show. Um, you know it was it, it did finally get fun around the 15 minute mark with a lot of uh, moves with a Z. So that was good. i I enjoy the moves. Uh, and then Pac went for uh whatever the fuck his submissions called. I can never remember. But the
1: brutalizer. Paige,
2: thank you. And Paige made the ropes at that point, And then he fired up and hit the deadeye. Uh, you know, it did feel like a uh, you know, like a, a satisfying victory for him It felt like a victory he needed. So that stuff was good. Um, you know, the booking of AEW maybe has not been always been great to me so far, and that I, I did think it was important to win here. Uh, so all that's good. I just thought it went a little too long, and you know the heat stuff is a little boring. So three and a quarter for me. Still a good match though. Uh, also, some- oh, not to
1: not to harp on this because this is sort of preaching to the choir, as everyone knows. But uh, a big time example of a terrible JR match.
2: Uh, what did he do? I don't remember he he would
1: um, Paige did a dive and he immediately goes, oh, he should be doing the ground and pound, ground and pound only. And I was <laughs> like,
2: <"Ugh." laughs> uh, match number. I, I keep doing these, doing this, counting the fucking buy a match. So I'm going to stop doing that. Really match number three, uh, Sean Spears beating Joey Janela in 1142, uh, with a running death Valley driver after he and Tully hit a spike pile driver on the floor. Uh, fucking 10 guy sucks. This match felt like it went, again, like a very long time, even though it only went 12 minutes. Um, I was very bored while Sean Spears t- tied this man in a fucking tag rope. Uh, it's always good when I have a note here that just says this match has to end in all caps, so I probably wasn't enjoying myself. And then 10Guy1, won uh, one and a half stars. I did not like it. And afterwards, we have Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford Uh, taunting Joey Janela because God knows if we're missing anything in this company, it is a cuck storyline. So there you go. There's your cuck story. Aaron, uh, what'd you think of Sean Spears, Mr. Ten guy and Joey Janela here?
0: Uh, This was not a good match. There's no doubt about that. My my take on it is Janela is just not a major league wrestler at this point. Doesn't look like a major league wrestler. He's not um, as over as he is on you know, the Indies, for example. He just doesn't feel like a, a major league wrestler. So to me in this match, uh, Sean Spears is a competent wrestler. He's fine. He's had some decent matches in the past. Uh, so to me, I would rather have him beat Joey Janela here and let Joey Janela Uh, Either put on a T-shirt or uh, get in the gym for a little bit and come back and and try again. But this was fine. I agree it was way too long. uh, But I just can't get worked up about the finish because uh, Spears is fine and Janela looks terrible. Taylor, Wow. Okay. Um,
1: You know, I guess my hot take is that if Sean Spears did not know Cody, he would be on NWA Power right now. Yeah. Tearing, tagging with um, Aaron, um, whatever his name, Aaron Rex, or whatever he goes by now. Um, I also did not enjoy the match. Um, Sort of as a side note, I hate assisted, um, sort of assisted slam moves because I never really understand the principle behind them, especially when (laughs) you have a, like, however old he is, 65 year old man. Oh, here, I'll jump up and really press his legs down um as if that's you know the the deadly um the deadliest of offense here but yeah i just um i like janela um i think he hasn't really been put in a great spot to shine i mean his one sort of great um match was on dark it was seen by a lot of people but really not f- really
0: followed up on
2: i mean, um, i like the kenny janela diamond match a lot maybe i'm the only one who did but no, so that was like a three and three quarter star match. No, that match ruled. Uh,
0: I w- would
1: have to go back and remember what I what I gave it. But so I like Jan- I like Janela more than um, Aaron does. Uh, but I just thought it wasn't a good match. And I think that Sean Spears is best probably at the very bottom of a card. Like if you're going to introduce someone to give uh, them to him first, and for him to lose, because I don't really see much else. Uh, with him
2: i mean i just i find him to be like actively bad which is why i can't really agree with aaron's take like i don't you know he has a look that's really all he has and like i i don't find him particularly charismatic um you know i don't think he's very good on the mic and especially i don't find him i mean i just find his matches to be like the exact style of like Fucking WWE Performance Center guy that, like, I do not need to ever watch. So, you know, I don't know. If he went away, it would help my enjoyment of this promotion. It just feels like even though he's not on TV every single week, he's on TV and on these pay per views way more than any of his talents could possibly justify. Like, I think I had my tweet, my exact tweet on Twitter was like, Cody pushing himself is actually an appropriate degree. But his real crime as Booker is pushing Sean, Sean Spears. So that's how I feel.
0: I guess I just um, think that if he's in the ring with a guy who's a better worker than he is, he can have a good match. But he putting he and Janela together, I think, was just a bad idea. And I don't hate Janela. Janela's done plenty of stuff that I like. I just don't think when I'm watching him on this big time, you know, it's supposed to be this big time company and their pay-per-view, he stands out as, as not uh, fitting in, in my opinion.
2: Okay. I think Fears is the one who really stands out as bad, but either way. Uh, match number four, the triple threat match for the AEW Tag Team Championship. FCU uh, defeating Lucha Brothers in Private Party uh, after they hit a combination gory special knee strike on Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Cassidy. I don't, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, sorry. I, I started pronouncing it like um, you would pronounce it in, in Japanese, which is very bad, but that's... I guess what I'm used to sounding out now. Um, but yeah, that's this one, 1307, which was like shorter than I was expecting. Uh, what'd you think of it overall, Aaron?
0: I just really hate this style of match. It uh, just bores me to tears. And this one in particular, it was very disjointed at the beginning. Uh, it, and once it got, once it started to pick up, I was so just disconnected from it but I didn't care. I wasn't uh, invested in it in any way. So, uh, I just didn't like it at all.
1: Taylor, I actually did like it. I went 3 and 3 quarters, which probably is the high on the high end of probably everyone who watched the pay-per-view. I just sort of enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of action. Maybe it was coming after a match that, you know, I thought was really um, a downer. Uh, And actually three matches, you know, one that I sort of liked and two that I really didn't like that maybe I was just like, oh, it's people and it's action and it's quick. And it's, as you said, only 13 minutes. Um, So, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, I could see where people who enjoyed it less than me probably would
2: enjoy it less than me, but I liked it for what it was. Um, I so I guess I'm probably right in between the two of you. I, I went three stars on it, it was like really sloppy and flat for a while, and the crowd not caring at all really hurt it. But like the dives finally woke the crowd up, and by the time it was over, I was like, that was kind of fun. It just wasn't, you know, I would it, it wasn't long enough where you know the end that was good was enough to make up for you know the, the more boring parts. So, three stars, it was fine, not anything better than fine. It was pretty good. Uh, the AEW Women's Championship, Riho defeating Emi Sakura with a swinging roll-up in 13-19. Uh, Aaron, why don't we start with you again here? Because I know you – well, this, this – actually, you, you didn't actually like this match as much as other people, I think. So go ahead. And yours are the jersey bowl.
0: Yes, that's true. I am a member <laughs> of the Riho Protection Squad, so I will defend her at all costs. Uh, but this match wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Now, I went three and a half, so I thought it was good, very good even. But I don't know. Really, I thought Emmy uh, Sakura was the problem in the match. I mean, she she never kind of uh, did the controlled, uh, consistent heat segment that she needed to get the crowd really behind Riho. It was a lot of fits and starts and her trying to do her her Freddie Mercury stuff, which is fun, but maybe this wasn't the right uh place for it. It was like when the crowd did get going, it was all just based on uh, the sheer star power of Riho and her comebacks. Uh, So it just didn't grab me emotionally as much as I wanted it to after uh, the whole Emmy crying at the beginning, which definitely grabbed me emotionally. Uh, But it was fun that Riho countered the way that Emmy beat her on TV uh, to win the match. And it left open the possibility of a, a rematch down the road. So, all in all, pretty good. Tana,
1: I really liked the match. I went four stars. I think it was partially hampered by the fact that they seem to um, be very lax in the build. I mean, they—I mean, the company, not Riho and Emmy. Um, You know, they had that video package right before the match that I guess they must have filmed five minutes before the match or else they probably should have shown it at any other point in time uh, to build up the match. And I also felt that, um, you know, I like Emmy, but I felt that it was sort of a weird spot for her where she wanted to be cheered, but she probably should have been more of the heel In the match, which she sometimes was, but you know, then she does the sort of queen um, audience call and response chance, which I think sort of confused the audience and the audience was already sort of a a lame duck audience as it was. Um, And it also had the tough task of living up to a match that had just happened a few months before that I think had bigger stakes, although this was a title match. Um, the Riho farewell match in Gato Move, which I loved. I think I went either four and a quarter or four and a half on that. Um, But I thought they still really did some great work in the ring. I mean, the reversal uh, segment close to the end, I thought was really, really great. Um, So I really enjoyed it. Maybe I'm a little bit um, nicer to these matches because it's people I really like. And it's a style I really like, but as I said, I went four stars and I thought, um, you know, maybe the best match of the night actually.
2: Uh, So I went three and three quarters. This is one of the two matches I had that was really close to four. I just couldn't quite get there. And a lot of it is what Aaron said that they, I just didn't think it had a coherent enough story. I didn't think Emmy worked enough as the heel. And when the best parts of the match were when she was like working as the big bully but she didn't really seem to want to do it that much. So that did hurt it for me. But at the same time, like, you know, Riho nearly nearly murdered her with that double stomp uh, to the apron. That was fucking awesome. Um, you know, Emmy hit like a sick backdrop driver at one point. So there was some really cool stuff. And I, I thought the match overall was really good. But the lack of structure to it, maybe, and also just the crowd fucking sucking. In general, not just for this match, but just all night long, probably heard it. And but I did like the, you know, maybe I would have gone for even if the the flash pin reversal sequence, um, you know, had been a little smoother. But at the very end, like it kind of went a little awry. So that might have been a factor too. But yeah, three and three quarters, still a really good match. I think probably the best thing on this show as well. Uh, up next, the AEW World Championship: Chris Jericho defeating Cody. In 2838, 38 when um, MJF, of course, threw in the towel. Um, all right, Taylor, you can start this time. What did you think of Jericho and Cody? So
1: this is not really a style of match that I enjoy. Although I ended up really, you know, liking this match. In a way, I went four stars flat again. Um, I think definitely helped by Cody taking the header on the ramp, um, which was really a cool visual and really shocking, even though the first time they showed it, um, on camera it was missed accidentally because Jericho got in the way of the camera. Uh, you know, it's just sort of that thing where it's that kind of match where lots of things are happening that aren't actual wrestling, which I often associate with sort of a WWE style of match like jericho going out to cody's mom and cody's mom going uh, fuck you and slapping him in the face is sort of a thing i um connect with a wwe style but even so i did enjoy it i was invested i wasn't spoiled i didn't know because i watched it the day after uh, so i didn't know who won And so it was really uh, a good back and forth. It's a type of match where I gave it four stars this time, but if it were to become sort of the style of these title matches, I think pretty soon I would start to lose interest. Um, So overall, I thought it was good for this one time, for this certain match. And I'm interested to see what the title matches are down the road, especially now that we know that Jericho still has the title And so maybe is more likely to do these sort of gimmicky matches than I think Cody probably would be.
0: Um, so yeah, I I liked it enough. I'll say Aaron, I love this match. This is the the last match I had over four stars. I had it at dot, dot, dot four and a half. It's going to be on my match of the year list for sure. Um, I hear what you're saying, Taylor, that it has that uh, WWE feel and that sort of thing. But I really think it, that's more, you know, 1980s Jim Crockett than it is WWE. I think WWE has done that and done it poorly. But if you are a fan of, you know, uh, 80s wrestling, especially in uh, the southern part of the country, then this is right up your alley. And I am a fan of, of that type of wrestling. And more importantly, I think is that I go into this match, it's bizarre having uh, really not cared about him whatsoever when he was in WWE, but I go into this match as a huge fan of Cody. Generally, I root for him to win, like the same way that I get excited about, you know, Momo Watanabe in in her matches, and I root for her to win. I root for Cody to win. And so the the tension of that in this match was good for me. Uh, I thought Jericho played his part very well. The mom thing I thought was funny. And absolutely, it was helped by the the botched uh, fallout out to the under the ramp where he uh, gashed himself. That helped and made it seem a lot more uh, urgent. Uh, and the angle at the end—I mean, I thought the towel throw-in was pretty good. I enjoyed that. The the angle that came later, I enjoyed much less. But uh, if you if you don't count that, if you move on from that, uh, I thought this was a, an excellent match.
2: Yeah. So I went three and a half. Um... And again, it was one of these, like Taylor's saying, I guess, it was a, a a match I could tell was good in a vacuum and a style I don't really care for. So there's not really much else to say about it. I mean, there's nothing I, I found wrong with it, except it's just not really my favorite type of match. I mean, I don't know, like Cody Dustin, which I went four and a half on, even though that, that probably is the same kind of style, that had like a really special feeling or something to it that I don't think this quite had. Maybe it was like the brother battle. Maybe Dustin Rhodes is still just that good. But like this, like, I don't know, parts are just really dragged. You know, 29 minutes is a long time for, you know, a lot of types of matches, but especially, you know, this type for me. And I don't know, like, they're just, they're, it just, it wasn't bad. It definitely, you know, I definitely didn't regret watching it, but it definitely felt like by the end of it, it's like, okay, this is a match I would never in like a trillion years, even think of going back and watching again. So if that's the case, there's no way I can really see myself going higher than three and a half. Um, The MJF turn, what'd you think of the fact that, I think you kind of alluded to this, but what'd you think of the fact that MJF turned heel right after after this match on Cody?
0: Uh, I thought it sucked. I mean, this, if you just started watching the promotion, like when TV started, this would feel like very quick. You know, if you've been watching BTE forever, then, yeah, it's kind of got this slow build to it. But I thought they should do this like a year from now. Uh, I thought it should be more of a more of a thing that kind of builds to get there in that you have two guys who have very different interests. And so I would like to have seen that play out of them starting to realize that their interests don't align. Uh, but instead, this is the part, Taylor, where I would say this felt more like a WWE thing where it was just this quick, uh, at, kind of out of nowhere turn that uh, really served uh, the story poorly, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. The, like turn, when he threw the towel in, I wasn't like, I didn't have a problem with that because I'm like, okay, well, you could do something with this where it's like, you know, the, the entire time. Everybody's like, did he throw the towel in on purpose to hurt Cody? They do it because he's his friend. I thought that was going to be like months of that, you know? Like, isn't Was that your first thought too, Aaron, when it, when he threw the towel in? Because that was definitely my thought.
0: Yeah, I thought, okay, this is a nice little like thing to keep this story going. Um, but I mean, I wasn't in love with it when it happened. But I was like, okay, I, I can get this. But yeah, then to immediately go to the complete turn was disappointing.
2: Yeah, what do you think, Taylor?
1: Um, I'm sort of undecided. I actually didn't even mention, uh, Aaron mentioned that he liked the towel in. I hate the towel throw in as a, as a match ending idea. Uh, I've just never liked it in really any match I've ever watched where someone else throws in the towel. Uh, it just, I don't know why it's a legitimate way to sort of have a match to end, especially it's a real life sort of match ending. So I don't know why I'm so opposed to it, but it's, there's just something about it where I don't love it. Um, in 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 so far as the turn MJF's turn, uh, I don't really know. I actually thought while I was watching, I said, oh, Cody's going to turn heel and beat up MJF in the moment. And then of course he, um, you know, Kicked them low and and turned heel. I thought that they were going to wait longer as well, just because it seemed like that's what they were doing with a couple weeks ago, with MJF having the chair in the ring and thinking about that. I thought that they were going to keep going. I mean, I think a lot of this is all in the follow up. If they botch the follow up, I think we'll look back and we'll say, yeah, you know, we were right. It was too soon. Um, but I don't know what they're capable of. I've never really. You know, they've never really done something like this. Obviously, Cody's sort of floated between heel and, and face, but it hasn't been sort of a structured, okay, now he's turned. You know, he was a heel with Dustin and then the match ended and he sort of became a face again, just naturally sort of. Um, so I think I'm going to reserve judgment until I see the follow-up and, and what they do with it.
2: Uh, the controversial main event the lights out match between kenny omega and john moxley uh kenny omega won the match with a oh no, i'm sorry lost the match with when moxley <laughs> hit the double dt on the exposed wood um this went 38 46 a long fucking time uh aaron why don't you start what do you think of moxley and omega
0: Uh, I'm I'm of two minds about it. Like, it was kind of fun seeing some of this stuff in a uh, big time uh, pro wrestling environment. And there were times when I thought it was a lot of fun. but it definitely went on too long. There were definitely parts that added nothing to what they were trying to do. A lot of the setup was too much. So I I give them high marks for trying to do something different uh, on like big time American uh, wrestling pay per view but I'm just not sure they executed it uh, as well as uh, they probably had planned it out.
2: Taylor, what'd you think?
1: Um, So I actually really liked it. Actually looking back at my notes, I gave it four and a four. So I guess this would be my match of the night. Uh, I liked a lot, uh, many parts of it. Um, I have, you know, a lot of memories, the Phoenix splash on the, you know, canvas, them going through that logo light or whatever you would call that. It does have, it did have the issue that a lot of uh, American, you know, hardcore matches or death matches or whatever you want to call it have, which is, it seems like there's so much setup occurring. You know, I watch a good amount of, you know, Big Japan or, or Freedoms or things like that you know these big sort of very brutal death matches and i think one thing that's often underestimated for example in a match with light tubes um you know the light tubes are are hung on the ropes so if you need a light tube you don't have to go look under the ring you don't have to go to another corner of the you know arena to set something up and have something fall off although sometimes they do go out of the ring to get a ladder or a chair or whatever It's right there, so there isn't this weird downtime of, hey, now we happen to be journeying up the ramp to this other area where, you know, we're going to set up this barbed wire spider web. That's the sort of thing that sometimes makes me roll my eyes a little bit, and it makes the match, to me, feel very disjointed because it just feels like sort of a tour of different spots that they've thought up, that they said, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we, you know, did a... Had a spider web of uh, barbed wire. Oh, that would be cool. And we could go over here and fall into it and then we'll lie in the barbed wire. I mean, I didn't like the Kenny being like, Bucks, go get the barbed wire. And they're like, No, we don't want to. I'm like, it's, it's so cheesy. It's so cheesy to me. I'm like, Just go get the barbed wire. So the, to me, there were positives and negatives to the match. I think, as I said, uh, four and a quarter. So the positives outweighed the negatives. But I think doing that sort of American style will always hold uh, a match like this back from being better in my eyes.
2: Uh, so I will bring the quarters on this. I, I did really like it. Um, the problems I had with it were a lot of stuff you laid out that they you know, took forever to set some stuff up. Uh, there was a lot of stuff in the middle of the match that just did not need to be there. And again, I, I've complained a lot about match time on this show and like you know maybe I can definitely see somebody being like well you watch New Japan all the time we don't care about it but it's like well you know New Japan main events are very long they usually don't have I don't know maybe I'm wrong they usually don't have like four matches that are like 20 minutes or more sometimes maybe in the G1 but not really that often I feel like Um, you know and maybe on like really really big shows but like I don't know, like, on a, on a more... Well, I'm even thinking of it wrong. Like, the, like a quarterly paper should be a big show. But, like... And I, and I guess also, like, the New Japan style doesn't annoy me when it goes, like, 35 minutes. This, you know, it just felt like there was so much crap that could have taken out of here. Like, that that long fucking thing with the chain that, like, didn't get over at all, first of all. Like, the crowd didn't give a fuck about, uh, you know, Moxley and Omega and the chain. Which they they were actually into a lot of this match but they didn't seem to give a shit about the chain stuff at all. So you could have cut all that out. Uh, the fucking mousetrap board, I mean, that took forever to like get out from underneath the ring, and it didn't really add anything. So I would have cut out, cut that out too. Pretty much you take out the, all the chain stuff and the the mousetrap board, I think this would have been a way better match. Um, you know, there was there was also an element to it of, like, you know, baby's first deathmatch, which is, like, I people on Twitter really did not like Hearing that critique of the match, like they would freak the fuck out. Like, oh, we don't care how many times you've seen death matches, you virgins. But it's like, if you've seen other death matches and they're better than this one, like, that's a, that's like just a normal critique. Like, if I've seen a lot of a movie in a certain genre and I see a new hyped movie in that genre, I'm going to compare it. To the other movies I've seen in the same genre, I don't get why that would make somebody a "quote unquote" virgin, <laughs> but like that was like the kind of fucking complaints you saw on Twitter, and it's just like, yeah, people are gonna if people watch a lot of matches in this style, they're gonna compare it to other matches in this style. It's not really, uh, you know, some fucking gatekeeping mind blowing thing. It's just something they're gonna people are naturally gonna do. So anyway, if I just thought it compared, you know, kind of unfavorably to a lot of other. Uh, like death style matches. Not that it wasn't still very good, but I, you know, they're not. Neither one of these guys are Takeda. That's that's really all there is to it. Maybe some light tubes, like Taylor said, would have helped, but you know, uh, they didn't have that clearly. So overall, going through the show again, uh, the last three matches really saved it. As far as being, it took it from being like a show that I was gonna, I would have given like an unequivocal thumbs down to. To being like a thumbs in the middle, maybe leaning down, but I de- definitely think below, way below double or nothing and all out. Uh, probably, I guess, on par at Fighter Fest, or maybe a little bit better than Fight for the Fallen. But I didn't really. These three are the, like the three weakest uh, AW shows. And This is by far the, the weakest of the pay per views. Taylor, what would you? Th- any final thoughts on Full Gear?
1: Yeah, I guess as I mentioned up top, you know, there were a bunch of matches that I liked, but I sort of left the pay per view playing sort of down on the on it as a whole. And I think now, having gone through this and sort of, um, I don't know, gotten my feelings out on it, I think the issue was even the matches I enjoyed. You know, the the uh, women's title match, um, the the men's title match, and the main event. You know they're all matches that i enjoyed but as i was describing them here i said you know i enjoyed them but also i had xyz big problems with them you know i had big problems with the women's build you know i wasn't crazy about the format of the men's title match so i think that's probably why i left maybe feeling more down than i would have expected because even in the things i enjoyed i sort of found some bigger flaws than i probably would have expected um But, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, sort of every step with AEW is a new step to see, okay, now they've had a pay-per-view while they've had TV, you know, how does the TV respond? What do they do differently? So, you know, I'm still excited to see the show, still keep watching, but um, not a home run show for me.
2: Uh, Any final thoughts, Aaron?
0: Uh, It's hard for me to process this promotion because I do a podcast about it every fucking week of my life. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so sometimes I feel like, okay, that shows over and I just move on to the next show. But like, I think this was probably for me, probably a better show than all out and definitely better than either uh fighter or fight for the fallen, but doesn't even approach double or nothing, which as I said, leading off, like I thought it was really good. So it was fine. I mean, they're starting out. I'm going to give it some time before I really go one way or the other on uh, the promotion generally, but uh, you know, it could have been a lot worse. I think it's fine. where how they're doing so far. They just, they got to do, they're going to have so much time to build before this next pay-per-view. They've got to build more feuds than like one. Yeah. Preferably. So I'm I mean, hoping they'll was, do a better job before the next pay-per-view.
2: That was a big problem with the show. I mean, really, when you look at it like Cody and Jericho was the only few that felt like it was really anything. So, um, the one thing I want to say too is I, you know, this comparison probably gonna annoy some people. I turned this show off and turned on the New Japan show that was going on in San Jose at the same time, and it, it really was something going from AEW like directly to New Japan like that because it's like you're you're exiting a promotion what's the best way I can put this one has no walls and like no structure at all, which can be good, you know, in a lot of ways, Like that can be a positive that you're building this entirely new foundation. You're, you know, you're starting with nothing. You can do anything you want, but it did feel good to turn on a show and like be back in like a world with walls, you know, like be back in a world with structure. So I don't know where this, this is probably like some weird, uh, bad political analogy to this but like just be back in like a world where like you know things make a little more sense i guess is the best way to put it but yeah it was uh it was an experience also the the crowd in San Jose was a lot hotter than the, the crowd in uh baltimore so i don't know what the fuck i don't know what the fuck was wrong if there's really any anyone to call out as like the biggest problem the show was that fucking crowd in baltimore i don't know what you guys are doing uh if it really wasn't wow.
0: or what but well, John comes out as pro-wall on this podcast.
2: Is- <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so let's talk about some Japanese wrestling. Enough of this American craft. Uh, Noah the Best, 2019, Battle of Aesthetics, November 2nd uh, from the Ryogoku. Uh, this was, the, of course, the the first of the three uh, big sumo hall shows from last weekend, but the last one to air uh, it aired eight days later on November tenth on the G Plus uh Japanese satellite network. So we're gonna start at the top here with these Japanese shows because like the undercards of these shows really isn't that important. We can blow right through them. Also, uh Taylor did or not Taylor, sorry. Aaron did not see a couple matches on the show. So he'll tell us uh there it's match ten and nine. So there you go. If I when I skip him, it's not gonna suddenly hate Aaron, it's cause he didn't see them. The main event we're going to start with is Kaito, Kiyomiya versus Kano. Uh, Kiyomiya defeating Kano in 31-10 with a Tiger suplex hold, his sixth defense of the GHC heavyweight title. Uh, I guess I'll start with you since you're not going to be able to talk about the next two matches, Aaron. What did you think of the GHC heavyweight championship?
0: It was a classic NOAA match in that it went on way too fucking long for what it needed to be. I guess there are probably people screaming at their phones or whatever they listen to this on right now because I didn't say that about some of the AEW matches. But my God. And here's what really irritated me about this match. Early on in the match, so uh, Keno gets the heat on on, uh, Kiyomiya and Kiyomiya starts his comeback and the crowd is roaring. And if you go back to the start of this match, When they announce Kiyomiya, you can just hear the announcer's voice echoing throughout Ryogoku. The crowd does not give a fuck. But at this point in the match, they are roaring for Kiyomiya's comeback. They're excited to see him win. And then the match goes on for like 15 more minutes. I think if they would uh, let him build naturally in in these matches and uh, have him win when the crowd is at its peak. It, they would really do much more of a service to him as a wrestler and trying to build him as their top star. So, there was a lot of good stuff in this match especially like the first half. Uh the Kino uh, heat spot or heat segment was very good and it did what it was supposed to do, but it just they took the match way past where it should have ended.
2: Uh Taylor, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I sort of echo those thoughts. I thought it was fairly good. Um Kiyomiya just does so many things still that I just don't really understand he's got that yoshihashi-esque um terrible submission that he does um you know where you sort of just hold the opponent's arms don't really understand that so to me you know the last one or not the last one they had the one they had two times ago which we of course discussed in the preview was so good and i think that you know, we talked about, well, it's certainly possible that they could have that sort of match again. But I think that that sort of match was done at a, at the time when, you know, Kiyomiya was coming back from excursion. And so I actually think looking back that now they couldn't have that match because that was a match of um, two people in totally different places with Kiyomiya obviously still being seen as by many people as sort of this young boy coming back um, from Excursion. So I thought it was fine. Um, I also thought it went on um, slightly too long, and I, w- I wasn't crazy about it. But, you know, so f- I fell more in the middle.
2: So I I liked it a lot more than either one of you, it sounds like. I didn't think it was like – I mean, look, it was – they were trying to go for, like, clearly, like, an epic, like, big show, main event, match of the year. I don't think they, they got – really particularly close to that level. Like, I I don't think they really hit that level. But there was still so much good stuff in this match. You know, just a lot of really cool spots. And it did pick up by the time uh, Cano, like, escaped the... I think it was that, that shitty fucking butterfly lock you were just talking about. And, like, he threw this, like, crazy, really cool kick combo. He rolled an ankle lock really well. Um, and, you know, they were, like, a, another cool counter where Kiyomiya countered him when he went up for the double stomp by jumping up and drop kicking him in midair which looked really good uh there's a double a dragon suplex from kano on the apron um there was there's was one point where i really thought because I, I was watching this unspoiled uh kano was gonna win we hit like two top rope double stomps and the, it, this really brutal one like right to the back of Kiyomiya's neck and head but then you know kaito still kicked out of course um and then Kaito, I thought his his final comeback, where he hit this like super high drop kick right in the face, was really good. Uh, the only maybe issue I would take with the end of the match is the the Tiger Suplex hold. If anything, felt like a little um, I don't know, felt like a little anticlimactic after everything they had done. Maybe it's just um, I don't know if they just need, maybe uh, Kiyomiya need a little more offense towards the end. It felt like Kendo killed him forever, which has been a problem with a lot of Kiyomiya. Uh, title matches where like you know he just was getting destroyed you know and the, the, like i said those two double stomps looked like it really murdered him but, you know he comes back he hits basically one big drop kick two tiger suplexes and he beats him after all that it just felt like uh okay sure so that would be a big complaint and you know it, it, the first half of the match did drag a little bit for me but i liked it enough to go four stars flat uh it was i thought it was pretty damn good but just below the level of the kind of um you know the the epic they were going for. Uh, the semifinal was the national title match for the vacant national title. Uh, Takashi Sugera defeating Michael Elgin in twenty one thirty five with an Olympic slam to become the first champion. Uh, I didn't really like this that much. I thought it was okay. The you know people, some people I think really do still love Elgin, and I guess I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on it a second, Taylor. I just thought like. You know, it just felt like he the same kind of like Elgin playing Japanese pro wrestler thing that he's been doing for the past couple of years without like a ton of uh without like a ton of passion or a ton of you know interesting stuff in there. And sugera is so fucking good at like being you know this dominant wrestler that that's what I want to see him do like just fucking kill people. I don't really think you know the way this match was structured where where Elgin really took most of the match really plays his Jagera strengths at all. I don't think he's like a world-class seller or anything. I mean, he's fine at it, but like when you have a guy that's so fucking good at working from the top, why would you not have him work from the top? You know, I mean, I think it would have been, or at least work a more even match where it felt like Elgin just destroyed him and it just didn't feel like that played into Jagera strengths at all. Um, but yeah, you know, they formed each other a lot. It kind of dragged on. Uh, there was like a one, one spot I really hated where Elgin like, slowly countered the guillotine from Sugera by like pulling his arm away while making like really dumb and bad faces. That's not, that wasn't good at all. Uh, but yeah, I went three stars. It was, there was some stuff that was fine and some stuff that was good, but like, just wasn't not up to the level I think they were going for. What'd you think Taylor?
1: So this is the first Elgin singles match I've watched since he left New Japan. I saw him, uh, at the A New York show in a trios match. That was the first time I had seen him at all since he left New Japan. And when he left New Japan, his last few singles matches, I just w- totally was out on. And so I was sort of interested to watch this, and I just started watching, and it felt like I was staring into like a black hole or something because I really <laughs> just had no... Like it I wasn't sitting there going, I hate this. I I didn't love it. I just sort of had no feeling about it. Like it just felt like nothing to me. And so I don't, I don't even really know what to say because I sort of, it ended and I was like, I don't even know how I feel. I don't even know if I care, you know, at all. So to me, it was just sort of there, I guess in that case it would be, you know, two and a half stars, I guess. Um, But, yeah, I just really have no feelings. I didn't enjoy watching Elgin, as I mentioned, near the end of his New Japan run, and this felt sort of like more of the same with this, you know. I think you just said it, John, this sort of fake, you know, I'm a strong guy, you know, this is Japanese-style wrestling, and I'm a strong guy, and we're going to chop and be real tough. (laughs) Um, But for some reason, his style of it just doesn't connect with me at all.
2: Yeah, I did see some people raving about it, so I was curious if you were going to be one of them, Taylor. But uh, Match number nine, the special singles match, Great Muda defeating Naomichi Fuji in 1205 with the Shining Wizard. What were you, what's your take here, Taylor? Um,
1: it's funny in a way that I didn't think it was a great match, but I thought it was good based on my expectations going into the match. Where I just for I could see you know this sort of they go out and they're like oh we're gonna have a great match and they go out and it's just a total clunker, um you know it was filled with all of these sort of gimmicks and you know him spewing the mist and you know lighting the the fireball, um, so and it was quick enough I don't even remember how long it went. 12, do you have 12, that minutes.
2: 12, 12 minutes
1: so it wasn't you know I wasn't um, offended by it wasn't going oh this is so long this is so long so I thought that they did sort of the best they could do considering it's muda who I'm surprised can really move around anymore um, so again I thought I thought it was sort of the best version of what they could possibly do
2: yeah Um. I had a real hard time trying to decide how to rate this because I definitely liked it. It was very gimmicky, like you said. It was, it felt like a fun spectacle. You know, he Muta blocking the chair attack with the red mist, and he attacked a cameraman for some reason and stole his camera for a while. That was really funny. Uh, he had another green mist on Marufuji, where right he hit the Shiranai, um, and then like you said, he lit, a fucking, he lit a fucking fireball in his face, and then hit three straight shining winners for the pen. Uh, it was never boring. It wasn't, like, an all-time great match or anything, but I would I went three and a half on it, ultimately. It was a good match. It was a fun spectacle. Uh, it's not anything that, like, blew me away, but it definitely could have been a lot worse.
1: Saying, although saying he lit the fireball in his face is being a little bit generous as to where that fireball was located, because that was down near the crotch area, I would
2: say. <laughs> uh, the GHC tag team titles, uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima, and Goshi Ozaki Axes, defeating Masa Kidamiya and Yoshiiki Inamura in 1702 after Nakajima hit the vertical spike on Kidamiya. So, Aaron, I know you didn't finish the match, but let's get you back in here. Do you have any thoughts on what you did see?
0: Yeah, so just so this isn't, like, uh, bizarre, I just had a work emergency today, and it just kept me longer than I intended to, so I wasn't able to finish this show after work like I would planned to do. So it it wasn't anything crazy. Uh, Yeah, this I was like almost even though I knew we had four shows to talk about, so I didn't want to push this any longer, but I almost wanted to finish this match because uh, it was a lot of fun to that point. I'm looking forward to finishing it later. I mean, uh, Kitamiya here I thought was uh, as exciting as he can be in a way, like just beefy, knocking people around. Uh, I enjoyed that. Nakajima was good as always and this kind of harnesses the weaknesses of shiozaki i think like having him in this sort of tag match so uh, i don't know i was really enjoying it before uh, i had to turn it off
2: yeah so so i i haven't seen as much noah this year as i would like and one of the things that people who have seen a ton of noah you know say is like nakajima and go axes which have a, have a great name by the way i love just saying Axes. um they the the clear tag team of the year they're so fucking good um and I'm definitely going to go back and watch way more of this stuff for the end of the year now, because holy shit, this match fucking rolled. Uh, I went four and a half. I thought it was fucking awesome. Um, you know, there was some stuff early on that kind of dragged a little bit on Inamura that, you know, at the very start before it got awesome again, but then Kinabia tags in with this hot tag and like, just no, totally no cells, goes chops and DETs. That was awesome. Uh, Inamura, He starts just wiping dudes out with these, like, sumo charge. You know, he tears his straps down. Um, Just as things are hitting a crescendo, Masa, like, falls off the top rope, going to do the doomsday device. But, like, instead of immediately repeating the spot, he just fucking punches... uh, I don't remember who the fuck was up on his shoulders. Nakajima. He punches him off the fucking shoulders from the mat, which was great, like a great reaction just falling off the ropes. Um you know, there's an awesome near fall when Kitamiya hits like a Saito suplex on Nakajima and go like dives in to make the save the last possible second um and then Nakajima like reverses another one with a cross body hits a ridiculous kick to the head and then a brainbuster on Kitamiya and I like that he pinned his ex partner in aggression here as the tag I think the tag team was the aggression uh, instead of pinning the younger Inamura so that was a, that was a good cool little touch but yeah, 1702, four and a half stars, fucking awesome. Um, you know, right there with one other match matches, like the highlight of the show. What'd you think, Taylor? I loved it as well.
1: I think Axis definitely is the tag team of the year. I think we talked about it on the preview show. It's been a fairly uh, light year for tag team work, and they've had a lot of really great matches. Um, I love this match. I went four and a half as well. I loved, um, you know, sometimes, you know, those sort of heat segments uh with Inamura in the not specifically him but with anyone in the ring while you're waiting for the hot tech and sort of seen long but i actually really enjoyed this one i love nakajima going over to the other side to look down at uh kitamiya still um, on the floor and just sort of staring at him and walking around mocking i love that stuff i thought it was an excellent match uh definitely up there with a lot of other matches that axis has had this year if you haven't seen them If you're listening or I know John just mentioned, they're going to go back. Um, I would highly recommend you check them out because they've had a lot of really good matches like this one. Uh, So it's just another feather for their cap.
2: Uh, The next two matches we can hopefully blow through because I want to get to another match that, uh, you know, I have a lot of positive thoughts on. But first of all, match number seven, the GHC junior heavyweight title, Hayata defeating Yohei in 1411 with the headache for a second defense. Uh, I did not like this at all. I thought it was boring and sloppy. You know, I usually like the Bartels guys, or at least I did back when I watched Noah a lot more often, but I don't know. I just, this did not impress me at all. This felt like the worst possible version of their, uh, like I've seen Hayata and Yohei singles matches before. that were way better than this. So I don't know what the deal was here. If it was like stage fright from being in a major sumo hall match, or like just, they had a bad night or whatever the fuck. Uh, I didn't like it. It felt like it went on an eternity, even though it was only 14 minutes. Uh, you know, I gave them two stars for some nice little spots, I guess, but not very good. Uh, Aaron, what do you think?
0: I kind of liked
2: it, actually.
0: Uh, I agree that it was like too long, even though it was 14 minutes. But at the beginning, what I thought they were doing was taking a really short match and like making it escalate quickly so that they could kind of have that progressive damage, but early in the match. And if they had finished it in about seven or eight minutes, that would have really worked, I think. So it was too long, but there's a lot of fun stuff in it. I don't know that I I can't I can't agree that it was boring, John.
2: Hmm. Okay. Defender of Japanese wrestlers, Aaron Bentley here, talking down to (laughs) to me, my famous hater of the of Japanese wrestling. Taylor. Well, here we go.
1: I thought it was four stars.
2: Wow I really liked it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I thought it was a lot of fun. I just loved it. I thought they did a lot of, I thought they did a lot of cool moves. Um, no, but I really liked it. I liked these two guys. Um, and I just sort of, in. I, I just sort of enjoyed watching it for, you know, they're doing the, you know, the headache. I thought they did it. I actually thought funny enough, the headache that won the match was the worst of the three headaches that happened in the match. I thought the first one through the ropes was really cool and the second one, I don't even remember where it was. And then the third one didn't look all that good. So I was sort of bummed about that. But I just thought it was cool. I thought they went out there. I thought they did some big, um, you know, took some big risks with the Karana or whatever it was off the apron. I thought that was cool. So I really enjoyed it. I went four stars.
2: Yeah. Mm. That might be among the biggest gap you and I have ever had. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're usually pretty, pretty online on a lot of stuff. Uh, match number six: the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Titles, uh, Daisuke Harada and Tadasuke from Hotels, defeating Yoshinori Ogawa and Kotaro Suzuki from Stinger in 10:58. When Tadasuke used the Outcast on Kotaro Suzuki to become the new champions. Uh, my main thing here is good for Tadasuke. Uh, he's he's a guy that's been around forever. You know, goes all the way back to like Osaka Pro and. You know, I you know, I saw him in Chikara back in the day and enjoyed him and I don't know, he's just a guy that I like, even though he's not like great really. He's just one of those wrestlers that like I could tell is not super great. I just have a little soft spot for because you know, I just happened to see him a long time ago. Um so it's cool to see him win a win a title in Seoul Hall. It's not something if you would ask me like five years ago, will Tadaske ever win a title in Super Hall, I would have probably told you no. So that was pretty cool. Um, I enjoyed this match. It wasn't anything super special, but it was a fun little fast-paced tag. I went three and a half stars on it. Uh, what would you think here, Taylor? Uh, I thought it was fine. I think my expectations
1: maybe were a little bit high. The last um, Suzuki and Ogawa match I saw was when I was um, there live for the Misawa Tribute uh, show against uh, Hayata and Yohei, which I thought was a really great match. So, I think my expectations were a little high. I thought it was fine, um, but it didn't blow me away.
2: Aaron?
0: My main takeaway, like watching this whole show, was why are there so many people in Noah that I like, but I don't really like Noah that much? Like Kataro Suzuki, I really like. Uh, Daisuke Harada, I like. Yoshinari Ogawa, every time I see him, I worry that he's uh, ill, but I like watching him anyway. Uh, so, this was a good match. But there's just something about the environment that I just can't get over when I watch Noah, even though I like a lot of the wrestlers.
2: Mm. Uh, Matt's over five. This is the other one that like I fucking loved on the show. Kazuyuki Fujita, old fucking Ironhead, defeats Shuhei Taniguchi in 757 via referee stop with a sleeper hold. Look. Um, I am not going to apologize for marking the fuck out for this match. Like, this is the kind of match that I was sitting here just watching and just, like, you know, doing little fist pumps. Like, I loved every single second of this. Um, You know, it starts with, like, Shuhei giving Fujita this ridiculous, like, soccer ball kick while he's down, and, like, this enormous back suplex on the apron. We actually get a Taniguchi chant, which I think I've heard, like, maybe one other time in my entire life uh i mean this is a former maybach if people don't know who this is like he's you know career underachiever um not a guy you think of as like a great worker but he was fucking on fire here and fujita's awesome i mean fujita like he could do his style of match and he could do it really well And this was his style of match uh there are these brutal head butts from fujita that busted shuhei open there's a strike exchange with a bloody shuhei like eventually winning with these huge forms, this double sledge, and the crowd's going, like, fucking nuts at this point. For Again, for Maybach Tanaguchi. Um, Fujita, like, recovers. He power bombs him down. He soccer kicks him repeatedly. and He puts him in the sleeper, and the match gets stopped. I went four and a half stars on this. I thought it fucking ruled. You know, it's only eight minutes long, so you, ha- you really should watch this. It's just, it's just a style of match. You know, you're not going to see that often in Japanese wrestling and maybe anymore, maybe you can say it was good because they, they did fucking beat the goddamn shit out of each other. But like, you know, it's the exact kind of reason why I would always tell people who say, you know, with a blanket statement, like Anokeyism is terrible or, or everything about Nokia sucked. It's like, no, go at least go back and watch like Kaz Fujita's matches because he had some awesome matches. Just like this one with like, you know, um, Hiroshi Tanahashi and, uh, uh, Katsuyori Shibata. I think he even had one with Bob Stapp that was pretty good. When you know Sapp's New Japan one wasn't great, obviously. But like, definitely go back and watch some of that stuff if you like this match because this is like what I would call "quote unquote" good Uh Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, this fucking slapped.
0: Uh, can't say enough good about it. I'm not sure I would go four and a half, but it's definitely like a four star match for sure. The uh, I'm looking at cage match and the fact that the the vaunted cage match inmates have the main event of this show rated higher than this match. Uh, it makes me want to uh, commit violence. <laughs> uh, Taylor, what'd you think? I also loved it. I
1: was at four and a half stars and I just have to say a couple weeks ago during the blood money show, there were a lot of people running around saying how good the Brock Lesnar Kane Velasquez match was, which was a match that sucked. Um, and then watched this match and said it wasn't very good. And those people are wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> who are those? Who did that? I don't even. There, there are really people who do that on Twitter. Not on Twitter. Well, not on Twitter. <laughs> okay. I the, the Brock and uh I mean, I like the Brock and Kane, like for what it was, a two minute fucking work shoot. But like, I the people I know on Twitter that love that would a- also love this. So like, it's a lot of crossover there. But I, I sense now you're sub-treating, like. Somebody worse than wrestling or something. So I am, yes. Match I am, and four. I
1: don't know why I'm subtweeting because uh, they probably will never get to this point of the show, but that's okay.
2: okay. <laughs> Match number four: Eddie Edwards, Atsushi Kotogi, and Chris Ridgeway. Uh, these, these are the last four we can probably really go through really quickly. Defeating Masaki mochizuki Minoru Tanaka, and Super Crazy, eleven thirty. Uh, Edward used the Boston knee party on Super Crazy. Uh, this was probably the best of these undercard matches. I enjoyed this a lot. I went three and a half. Uh, it was a, you know, the, the highlight was Katoki in there, like trying to fight both Mochi and Tanaka at the same time, and he tried to like fire up, and they responded by like simultaneously punching him right in his fucking face. That was awesome. The match was good. I enjoyed it a lot for what it was, and I'm glad they gave him like 11 and a half minutes to do some cool stuff. uh What do you think, Taylor?
1: I liked it. I thought Chris Ridgway looked really good. I hadn't seen him for a while. I thought he looked good, except he had one spot where he went for a knee strike and he was too far away and it looked sort of awkward, but um, yeah, that was my main takeaway is I thought that he's um, obviously fitting in very nicely in Noah and, you know, hope he gets to stick around.
0: Aaron? My favorite part of this was Eddie Edwards looking like he would hang out with, like, uh, Lil White or somebody. I could see him, like, in a music video with Lil White. (laughs) Uh, talking about Xanax or something. So very weird look for Eddie Edwards. Uh, that was my main takeaway from the match.
2: Match number three, Kazushi Sakuraba, Hajime O'Hara, and Nosawa Rangai defeating Osamu Nishimura, uh, Hiroki, and Junta Miyawaki in 820. Uh, Sakuraba used a figure four leg lock on Hiroki. Uh, this is fine. I didn't get didn't get much into it. I didn't really even write anything down about it, so I guess I... Wasn't paying close attention in these eight minutes, but I, I remember it being fine. Uh, anything to add about it, Aaron
0: Sakuraba? Rules. Uh, I like this quite a bit.
2: Taylor,
1: uh, I also like Sakuraba. I thought uh, Miyawaki had a good. I think he had a good drop kick at one point. Uh, yeah. But those are my only two notes on the
2: match. Jude, so Jute, he's another like Noah rookie. I, I Noah, like we talked about the flush time. They have a mixed bag with these rookies lately. Like what is like Hitoshi Komano is in the opener still like chilling basically, and they really haven't done anything with him. And I don't know. I guess we'll see if the the current bash can kind of break free of the any kind of Noah curse lately. Well, Ina Mer is doing well. That's one, I guess. Uh, match number two: Noah the Classic. Uh, Tamon Honda and Mitsuo Momoda beating Akitoshi Saito and Masao Inoue in ten ten. Uh, Momoda used a Samson clutch on Inoue. Aaron, I know you love this match, so go ahead. God, I fucking hated this
0: (laughs) match. Uh, I know this is cliche now, but do not at me about this match. Don't do it. That's it. (laughs) Uh,
2: Taylor, do you want to also bury the olds? Um,
1: I will say that last time I saw Honda and Saito in the ring, they were both sobbing. uh, So it was nice to see them here not sobbing. um, And that's my positive takeaway from the match.
2: I enjoyed all the eye rakes. Look, it's a bunch of old men having a fucking good time. I don't, I don't know why you got to be such a crump. It was like 10 minutes long. Obviously, it wasn't good, but like, you know, it's not supposed to be good. It's supposed to be, let's laugh at the old men. And it did, did its job, what it was supposed to be. Uh, match number one, the opener, Mohamed Yone, Quiet Storm, uh, and Hitoshi Kumano defeating Kazuma Sakamoto, uh, El de Wagner Jr., and Kenya Okada. 6.08, a Moonsault Press. Oh, no, Wagner, actually. Sorry, the the, the second team won. Wagner pinned Kumano. Um, this was an... I liked This it was a fun little energetic opener. I went three and a quarter. I didn't write anything else down about it, so I guess I didn't really care that much. But I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, Taylor?
1: The only thing I could really focus on was um, Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr. Sort of looks like um from the super mario movie the 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 koopas or whatever they were with the big bodies and the tiny heads um he just has a head that doesn't seem to be properly
0: uh sized for his body
2: Aaron, anything to add
0: uh quiet storm lives on that's really it
2: (laughs) so overall as far as the show goes i would put it like maybe a little bit above your Goku Tom, maybe like about on par, definitely well behind powers, uh, not power Struggle. well behind ultimate party. And I would, I guess put it behind power struggle too, which I thought was a more consistent show than this. Like this had really high highs, like, you know, definitely do not miss that fucking, uh, Taniguchi and, uh, Fujita match. Do not miss the tag title match. Like those two matches were fucking awesome. And I would say the main events worth watching. It's, you know, 30 minutes long, so maybe, and a lot of people seem to disagree with me on having it, like, at four stars, so maybe you don't want to commit 30 minutes to a match that people have been more mixed on. But the rest of the card is, like, very, you know, whatever, like, not, you know, it's an 11-match card. Um, I would say three of the matches were really awesome. A bunch of other stuff was good, and then there is a mixed bag of other stuff. So, you know, about on par with Rio Goku Tan, I probably enjoyed myself. A little more than watching Rio Gokutan overall, but you know, definitely cannot touch Ultimate Party for the best Sumo Hall show of the weekend. Uh, what do you think overall, Taylor?
1: I thought it was leagues better than Rio Um, but I would still have it second behind Ultimate Party. So in a way, I agree with your ratings. Um, I was a little bit higher on some on the match in the middle, and you were a bit higher on the main event, which I think evens out. I really would have thought it was a what would have put it over the top is a really, really strong main event, which I didn't think it had. Um, But I still think it was a a fairly strong
2: show. Aaron?
0: Yeah, I pretty much agree with Taylor. There's a lot of good stuff in the middle. It made me think, oh, maybe I should be watching more of the Noah like middle of the card. But the main event did not get me excited to uh, come back for more of that.
2: All right, so that's Noah. So now we're going to move on to some Joshi with two different shows. First of all, we're going to talk the Seedling Show, the Dynamic Showcase, Kawasaki uh, Monogatali, which is like a like a fable, basically. Uh, well, I guess they put right there, Monogatali's story. So there you go. <laughs> November 2nd at the Colts Kawasaki. Um, so Taylor, do you know anything about like the history of the building? They kind of like went into it in one of the pre-videos. It's just a it's a building that they, they used to be run a lot, right, by, like, other Joshi companies?
1: Yeah, I guess. I don't really know that much about the history of the building. Um, and, you know, I did really love the videos, but I sort of got them, um, sort of got the appreci- appreciation out of them visually as opposed to what they were actually um, explaining. You know, you can sort of get some of it, uh, but not all of it. But I am—I'm far from a Joshi historian, um, so I don't know too much about the history of the building.
2: Yeah. Um, so, the, as far as like the actual show itself here goes, I thought it was a really strong show, and we'll talk, especially the last two matches, we'll talk about here. So, it, we'll talk about from starting from the main event, the Seedling Beyond the Sea singles title hair versus hair match. Arisa Nakajima defeating Nanai Takahashi in 2608 with the DD. Uh, make is it DXD or DD, Taylor? Do you know? Um, I think
1: it's it's um, I think it's DXD.
2: Okay, because sometimes when like they they put that little X there, it's not meant to be pronounced. So that's why I was a little. But yeah, so DXD, that's fine. Uh, the second defense. Um, this was fucking awesome. I mean, like, I kind of suspected it would be going in. Like, I thought it was, uh, you know, just these two. They've had awesome matches before, both with each other and with other people. Um, You know, this was a hair versus hair match. I figured they would be, like, really going all out. But, my God, like, this, I had, like, again, I had high expectations, and they were, like, well exceeded. Um, You know, it just starts out with, like, Nanai like slapping her right in the face when she's against the ropes and they just already were beating the piss out of each other right from the pretty much right from the opening bell. Um you know, at one point she just murders Arisa in the corner with these slaps. Uh and then Arisa, like, you know, she keeps going with this arm bar, which I thought, you know, kind of did eventually pay off towards the end of the match. And then uh, you know, she like just keeps beating the piss out of Nanae, but like she uh Nanai kept shrugging it off. Um And then Arisa hits, like, the absolute spot of the match where she hits this double foot stomp off the top to the floor, which, like, that looked like it sucked for for, uh, uh, Nanae Takahashi. Um, And then, like, you know, they they do this, like, um, you know, the the forum exchange in Japanese wrestling, you you could say is a little cliche, but at one point when they're doing this, like, forum exchange, Nanaya gets so pissed off at her that instead of, continuing to do the forearms she just like chops her right in the fucking back of the head or like does this forearm chop uh right in the fucking face basically or right in the throat i think actually but it's like this backhand chop right to the throat it looked so sick and it came right after like one of these forearms so that was just like probably my favorite moment the entire match um you know at that point and i like you know head butts her to hell and then puts her down with the hard right hand and we got the the kots at that point But, like, you know, obviously, Arisa comes back and eventually, you know, pulls off the win at the end. I went the full five. I thought this was an incredible match. You know, for people who think that Joshi is like, you know, not what it used to be, it's not stiff anymore, which I, I disagree with in general anyway. But, like, you know, it's not, it's all about cute girls being cute now or whatever. Like, this match, it's like two fucking mean women beating the fucking shit out of each other. And if that's what you want out of your Joshi, like, you will absolutely love this match. So I went the full five. Uh, it's my number three match of the year, right behind another Joshi match, uh, Mako and Suri and also Naito and Shingo. So an incredible match here. And, you know, I had three five-star matches going into the weekend of November 2nd, and then two that occurred that weekend. So that's just funny how that works out with this and the the, the NXT Japan tag. On the, BJ, on the BJW show. Uh, Taylor, what did you think of Arisa and Anai?
1: So I also went five stars. I mean, Arisa is my favorite wrestler in the world. Uh, I love Seedling. It's maybe my favorite promotion. I thought that they built the match really well. They've started doing a um, sort of an interesting thing that I think in a way is smart and in a way sort of is strange in that they've started doing these – press conferences for the next show on their nico nico airings of the previous show which in a way is sort of weird because it gives away the results of the show you're about to watch uh, because they do it before but it also helps to build these matches up so they had the press conference um, on the airing for the october 6th show where arisa had a title defense which she obviously won and they uh, it ended up that they just sort of stood up and started slapping each other in the face, which was amazing. Um, you know, last week we came on here and we took out a victory lapse. And I know in the Voices of Wrestling Discord, there were some um, people who were not okay. super happy with, <laughs> okay. with us. Well, ma- one guy, or maybe, you know, there were some silent people agreeing with him uh, who were not happy with us taking victory laps. But I do have to say this. I was on this podcast I think just about a year ago, maybe exactly a year ago, uh, right after they did the Beyond the Sea title tournament where Nanai won, and there was a lot of people on Twitter, and I think, John, you agreed, that thought that Arisa should have won. And I, at the time, said, I think that they're building something to a bigger win for Arisa, which is this. So I was correct, Uh, And it turned out that this was such a huge match. You know, the funny thing was I gave it five stars, but it feels a little bit like some of the later um, um, Okada Tanahashi matches in that I sort of in mind recognize that move for move, I think there's probably Arisa matches that I've enjoyed more. But just the story for me puts it so over the top that it was an easy five. I mean, the the scene afterwards with the hair um, being cut and Arisa standing in the back and crying is such an amazing thing. I mean, it was such a huge moment. And, of course, as I said, Arisa's my favorite wrestler in the world, delivered a match that she's capable of. I love the um, Nane w- with just a straight punch at one point in the middle of the match, which really shocked me. So I loved it. Went easy five stars. Um, I don't have my five-star matches um, sorted yet, so I don't know where exactly it's going to fall. Um, but I can—I would imagine it's going to end up pretty high in my uh, end-of-the-year rankings.
2: Uh, Aaron, are you, you going to rain on our parade here? Did you fucking hate it?
0: I did not fucking hate it, that's for sure. I, I wasn't as high as either of you on it, but I think that's – easily because I was parachuting into this match. I don't know the story. I'm a, a fake fanboy. I heard a lot of hype about it. The The video beforehand got me hyped. Uh, but honestly, the best part of the match to me was the, the haircutting ceremony. Like the emotion there was uh, palpable even to someone who didn't really understand exactly what was going on story-wise. During the match, and I think this really dovetails with what Taylor was saying, was that the, the work was excellent to me. Like, the work was very good. Uh, there were, I mean, some of the smoothest uh, Joshi work I can really think of. Like, there's a lot of stiffness here, which is uh, fun. You know, I, I liked uh, just how hard they were hitting each other. Uh, but a lot of the transitions and stuff were really smooth. And I was like, oh, this is, like, noticeably really good. Uh, but there wasn't that emotional connection for me. So that held it down. There wasn't a point when I really wanted one or the other to win. I was just kind of going along for the ride. So even with all that, I'm at like four and a quarter, uh, but it just didn't rise to that next level emotionally for me.
2: All right. Well, four and a quarter is lower than I expected to hear, but that's fine. Only four and a quarter. You hated it.
0: Exactly. Uh I thought it was one of the worst matches of the year.
2: The semifinal, the seedling Beyond the Sea tag team titles, Yoshiko and Hiroyo Matsumoto defeating Mima Shimoda and Asuka. Uh, of course, not the WWE Asuka, the all caps Asuka, I guess you can say. In 1803, after a diving senton by Yoshiko, on um, Mima Shimoda, um, their fourth defense. Uh, Taylor, what did you think of this one? So, I was a
1: little disappointed in this one. I think I had pretty high expectations going in. Uh, their, uh, Matsumoto and Yoshiko's title match the month before at the October show I mentioned was really, really good against the two Mays, uh, May Saruga and May uh, Hoshiki, which I really loved. If you haven't seen it, I would say search it out. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely beating the drum as Asuka for a maybe. You know, top 50 worldwide worker, because uh, I think she's really amazing. I just, it just never really got to the point where I was really hooked um, in the match. I would probably go something like three and a half. I think, I think maybe part of it was they knew that the main event was going to be a, you know, an epic uh, match, which it ended up being. Um, so they didn't want to go out there and, you know, tire out the crowd or anything like that. So I thought it was. I thought it was fairly good, but below my expectations.
2: Uh, what did you think, Aaron?
0: Yeah, pretty much the same. Uh, there was like a lot of hatred in it, which I enjoyed. get like that felt, uh, I felt tense at times, so that was fun. I was just ended before I wanted it to. It couldn't quite get to that next level, but I would go about three and a quarter on it.
2: Uh, so I guess I'm the high one here. I went four stars flat. Um, thought it was really good. I liked Matsumoto at one point, like just beheading. Asuka and Lariat. Uh, and then the ref gets bumped and Shimoto like just fucking beat the shit out of Yoshiko with a chair. Um, you know, and Yoshiko eventually pinning Shimoto with a diving senton. on. I thought it was a real stiff battle. I could definitely see where it came a little, came off a little disappointing, but I, you know, I definitely didn't think it was a bad match. I thought it was a really good match. So uh, match number four, the three versus three tag here, uh Sukasa Fujimoto. Makoto and Maria from uh, the – of course, uh, Fujimoto's from Ice Ribbon and Maria's from Marvelous. They defeat Miyuki Takase, uh, Sayuri, and Yu in 1656, uh, the Venus Clutch by Fujimoto on Yu. Um, this is fun. First of all, Max Voltage, like who, the other – the uh, Takase, Siori and Yu team, like rapping – basically like – I don't know. They had like a mic on their way down the ring. It was quite wild. Uh, I just remember them saying they are max voltage a lot. Um, so a couple of big notes I have from this. Um, Makoto, you know, she, one of the things you I heard a lot from, like, I would call deep Joshi Twitter, since I, like Aaron, I too am a fake fan. I don't watch a ton of, like, non-stardom, non-Tokyo Joshi. Like, I watch, you know, I parachute him for big shows like this, but I don't watch nearly as much as... Uh, Lots of other people. So I recall, quote unquote, deep Joshi Twitter. Uh, you know, they said Makoto's awesome now. I'm like, what do you mean Makoto's awesome? I mean, she she was like years ago, a few years, not that recent, not that long ago, like a year or two ago, I would say she was like fucking terrible, like one of the worst wrestlers. I I would see get booked everywhere. But you know, she's like, um, I figured she got booked because she's like five six, you know, which is a lot taller than most Joshi wrestlers, and she has like a striking look so fine I, I got it but she was not very good but then people would say no she's really good now i'm just like what are you talking about when i watch her here it's like okay i get it because she's like first of all she does a way better job like using her size like to her advantage like she just runs people over with these big boots which she never used to do in the past and she looks a lot more like comfortable in there and looks a lot more like she's actually hitting people so you know that's obviously a big improvement um, so that's one, one thing I noted right away is Makoto looked, you know, is, is good now. The deep Joe said it was great. Uh, the other big thing is you is like gigantic, <laughs> like really big. Um, I mean, she looks a lot bigger than she did even back at the WXW, uh, DDT shows I saw over the weekend. So she's put on a lot of size. Um, but yeah, I thought the highlight here is Makoto and Siori having a great slugfest right around the 10 minute mark. Uh, and Fujimoto ended up hitting you with a cradle. I went three and a half, could have got even higher if it went a little bit longer, but it was fun. Uh, Aaron, what do you think?
0: Uh, the, a- the actual highlight of the match, John, was when you clearly did not really know the dance very well and was trying to just watch the other two to pick up on the moves. Uh, that was hilarious. I loved it. Uh, the max voltage team just kind of yelling at each other uh, was also hilarious. The match, I was not as quite as high as you on it. Uh, didn't think it was that great. A lot of waiting around for the next spot, but there was it was fun. I mean, it would be hard to go below like three on it, uh, but it didn't do a
1: ton for me. Taylor, um, the the rule of Mag's voltage is that whenever they do the dance, someone has to be there who doesn't really know what's going on. So you was definitely continuing that tradition. Uh, last time it was Nanane, Nanai who uh, didn't really know the dance, so maybe one day they'll all uh, figure it out, but maybe not. Uh, I thought the match was really good. I'm really happy to see Yuri back. Um, You know, she was off in the world of MMA for a while, um, which obviously uh, wanted her to do well there, but I definitely missed her in the world of Joshi. She was so great. She actually, um, a few years back, had a a mixed tag um, with... uh, Mochizuki and Kano and uh, Mayu Iwatani, which was so, so great. And then I think, like, the month later, she left. Uh, so I was glad to see her back. Love Fujimoto. So it was just a lot of people I really enjoy watching. So I think I was probably closer to you, John, at three and a half. Um, but, yeah, uh,
2: a, a fun – like you said, a fun little match. Um, also worth noting, too, like, Siori, she she was uh, – a. Uh, sorry she was Hikaru Shida's partner before she went off to MMA like they had a great tag team run in Sendai Girls and uh where they had another tag team too where the fuck am i thinking of was it Oz Academy maybe right um i feel like it was Oz Academy i could be completely wrong but was it let's find out okay
1: yeah it was uh, I mean, Oz
2: yeah Oz and so Sendai, like yeah. So they had a great tag title run, and I would love to see them, you know, reunite somehow. Uh, Sheeta's not doing a ton, I guess, of Japan anymore, but maybe they could. I mean, they still, I guess, are in uh, what's it called together? Uh, Makai uh, Makai, thank you, Makai. So, and I- they have tagged <laughs> together
1: uh, occasionally before Sheeta left. And I know, I think they either tagged together or they faced each other on Sheeta's um farewell show or whatever that show was
2: called. So, so Siori they should bring in Siori to uh to AEW. That's where I was going with this and have the two of them team. So there you go. Uh match number three Ajikong and Yumiko Hota defeating Kaho Kobayashi and Ayami Sasa, Sasamura from two AW in twelve oh seven after a um it looked like a vertical drop brain buster by Aja on Sasamura. Uh, what do you think of this one, Taylor?
1: Um, I enjoyed it. There wasn't—I didn't have too much, um, too many thoughts on it. I am interested to see, you know, Ayame and Kaho. Kaho's sort of been—she went to Mexico for a while, um, so I'm in, and she sort of come back and s- floated around. Um, so I'm not sure really where she ends up, um, and I don't really know. You know, Seedling only has three actual roster members. Um, on their roster but as they sort of add they now have two titles they now have these sort of factions with max voltage and uh, selfish strawberries Um, so they seem to be putting more and more things into sort of the basket of a of a promotion that's becoming more serious as opposed to what it started as which was sort of a way to get um, Yoshiko bookings uh, after she left stardom um, so I'm interested to see if someone like uh, Kobayashi or uh, Ayame, who's in 2AW, which is sort of a, um, no offense to them, a, a dying promotion. Um, I would like them to sort of move over and become more regular and seedling because I think that they're really good uh, young wrestlers. So that was that's really my sort of unrelated related thoughts about this match.
2: Uh,
0: Aaron. Yeah, I thought uh, Kaho Kobayashi was like, kind of the interesting, most interesting part of this match. Somebody I wasn't super familiar with that I thought oh, I might want to seek out more of what they're doing. But it was a fine match, and it got me interested in
2: uh, little Kaho. Uh, the first two matches, we don't really have to talk a ton about because they're both like so clipped. You know, you couldn't even make much of it out. But uh, the second match is the special high-speed six-person tag. Um, Himika Arita, Leon, and Yosuke Santa Maria from Dragon Gate defeating Chigasa uh, Chikiaka, uh sorry Chik- Chikayo Nagashima, Hibiki from Marvelous, and Hiroshi Yamato, the male male freelancer. In 1143, after Leon used the Clutch of Gao on Hibiki, and the opener was Das Kisako from Sendai Girls defeating Mikoto. Shindo of marvelous and nine forty six with a diving foot stomp. The opener, especially like that, looked a lot of fun from the two seconds they let us see. So I wish we could have seen that full match. But uh, any thoughts on these very clipped matches, Taylor? Yeah,
1: it sort of is a bummer on these samurai shows that um, Seedling gets <clears> on that they really do so much clipping of these lower matches. Because I was excited for both to see both of these matches. Um, the uh, high speed match definitely interesting. A payback. Um, from Dragon Gate because uh, Nanai was on uh, the Sendai show that Dragon Gate did recently, um, which was very interesting. You know, a group of people who you probably will never see in the ring. Again, Hibiki is the sort of newest, marvelous rookie. Um, And after their last class uh, with Makoto and Maria and uh, Mehoshiki was so... Uh, has sort of taken off and been so good. I'm interested to see how she develops. Um, and Makoto Shindo is sort of the um, ace of the rookies of Marvelous. Um, so sort of pretty bummed that, you know, couldn't see her against Dash, because I think that could have been a pretty fun
2: match. Taylor, anything to add about these two matches?
0: You mean Aaron? Oh, sorry, Aaron. <laughs> uh, just the first one, I was really bummed when it you know started. It was clipped because... I uh, watch a lot of Sendai girls and dash is one of my favorites. I'm trying to think if she's not my other than Sari and she's probably my favorite. Uh, and Mikoto Shindo is uh, also one of my favorites in that promotion, especially of like the rookies that they use most often. So I would have loved to have seen this whole match, but I'm sure they'll do it in uh, Sendai girls again soon.
2: So overall, um, obviously the, the main events must watch the rest of the show. I mean, it's only about two hours with all the clippings, So like you can, watched all of it pretty easily, but definitely recommended to watch. Uh, anything to add about the entire show, Aaron?
0: No, it, so this was uh, the first time I've watched like a full seedling show. So people are probably uh, turning this off now, now that they know they've listened to the mm-hmm. thoughts of a, of a total virgin, but um, there was definitely parts of it that made me want to uh, get back in or get into the promotion. So I think it did its job for a first time viewer. Taylor? Um, I like. I thought it was a good show. The
1: thing i probably most excited for, I mean, beyond that, you know, the, the main event was so great, was I love the, um, as I mentioned, Seedling sort of started as this, you know, promotion where they were just sort of putting together matches that they like to see. And they've added these titles and they've sort of become more of a promotion. And I loved um, the idea of long-term storytelling. I think sometimes, uh, in some not all but some joshi companies that sort of can get lost where they're just sort of mixing and matching a group of you know x number of people who float from promotion to promotion so i'm hoping that this um will inspire seedling to do some more of these sort of long-term um, story lines and payoffs
2: all right so we're going to move on to our final show The Stardom Best of Goddess 2019 from November 4th at Corican Hall. Um, So we start with the main event again. The World of Stardom title, Mayu Iwatani defeating B Priestley in 2023 with a Dragon Suplex Hold. So B fails in her sixth defense and Mayu becomes the 12th champion. Uh, Aaron, as the resident B Priestley defender, why don't you start start us off here? What do you think of this main event? Yeah, this, title reign.
0: Uh, this match banged. It was excellent. I, I've been saying excellent a lot lately. i really, I apologize for that, but it was really good. So I, I went four and a quarter on this match. I think I'm the high person. Well, I don't know yet what Taylor's star rating was, so I'm excited to hear that. Uh, so people, uh, when we're talking about B's title reign, like it's, I think it's unjustifiably gotten a lot of crap in a lot of ways because the work has been really good. I think people are just wrong when they say that B is not very good. I, I think that's just objectively incorrect. Uh, but she obviously is not over to her push in stardom. There can be no question about that. And stardom did everything they possibly could. I mean, she beat everybody other than Mayu. I mean, she, she beat Utami. She beat Momo. She beat Kagetsu. I mean, she, she beat Hana. So she got all the big scalps, and the fans never really bought into her. I'm not exactly sure why that was. Uh, but I still think she had good matches. Uh, but when people say that uh, she's not very good, I, I'm I'm guessing there are a lot of people who think that, you know, the crowd really got into this match because of uh, Mayu. But it's just not true that, I mean, this crowd was going crazy, and it's just not true that crowds get to that level of interest in a match uh, when they're only interested in the baby face. I mean, the heel has to be doing... Some work to get uh, get heat on the baby face, get the crowd wanting to see the baby face uh, come back. And B did a great job of that in this match. And the crowd was going nuts for Mayu. So, like, that's what she's supposed to do. And she did it. So, uh, I'm exci- I hope that uh, I would like to see her do more of this tag that they're doing with Jamie Hader. Like, I think that's a good spot for her. Uh, I-, I hope that they're going to continue to feature her at a high level, but they got to figure out something else because the crowd just has not taken to her.
1: uh so aaron you are not the high uh yes because i was i was also four and a four and a quarter um i really liked it um i think i think b is good i think she still has some sort of holes not major holes in her wrestling ability but just sort of weird Mm. things where some from time to time i'm just like uh like come on like get it together like it isn't big moves like sometimes she'll pull something off that i'm like whoa that's really cool but sort of like the little things that take someone from being sort of a solid or good wrestler into someone i would think of as like oh this person is really great um i think she's just missing that as aaron said she's um you know it just hasn't really happened for her uh reaction wise but i thought this match was really good i thought it was sort of a um classic Mayu big match uh, not to take the credit away from B but I'm trying to remember back the sort of last big you know obviously it happens in the five star but those aren't really main events I'm thinking of like a main event of a cork and I'm trying to think back when the last Mayu match where I was like there it is the big Mayu match so I like that return to form for this and I thought it was um I thought it was a, a very strong match
2: uh, so I will be the low one here, but not not super low. I went three and three quarters. Um, you know, it just took a while to get interesting for me. And you know, the the big bots that neither of you talked about, the um the top rope bots that I it, it was Beast's fault. She like slipped off the top rope and just basically dropped, you know, Mayu. I feel like you have to take major points off for something like that, especially when it could have caused like a very, 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 you know, like serious injury. But you know, it wasn't like a freak accident. It was just something like where she just wasn't. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could call it a freak accident, but it wasn't like a um, like she tossed her and she's she landed wrong. It was like you know she was trying to do. They were trying to do the rana and she slipped and like you know they both went down. Um, you know, so like I find her to be sloppy like that in general, like a lot, which is probably my biggest problem with her. And she there were a couple other spots in the match that didn't look as smooth as they could have. But I don't think I don't think B is bad. I just think maybe she doesn't quite have the level of um you know, like the level of like the level of work you want to see for someone in this role. You know, I think probably as far as like Gaijin go, I think probably um, you know, Jamie haters a lot, pretty much already at that level, right? Would would have rather seen her in this role maybe. But you know, it still was a this still was a very good match at the end of the day. You know, besides the, the big botch and some other issues, I thought, you know, the, the match was really good. Um, you know, it was awesome with Maya. like... When Maya like, got up from that fucking scary botch and, like, just started laughing like a maniac and, like, German B... And hit, like, a big German suplex on B. That was awesome. Uh, there's this awesome spot where she, like, reversed an Ocean Cyclone into a reverse Rana and, like, a really tight-looking cradle... Which I almost wish had been the finish, but you know, she did eventually put her down with the dragon suplex old. So really good match. I'm glad that Mayu finally won the red belt again. She, you know, has long deserved it. And she called out Kagetsu to be her first challenger next month at Korkin, which is a match I'm looking forward to. Uh the semifinal, the wonder of stardom title. Uh speaking of Jamie Hayter, she lost to Arisa Hoshiki here in eleven thirty four with the Shining Impact, the seventh defense for Arisa. She's already like halfway to momo watanabe's uh, 13 defense record which is kind of crazy um this was really good as well i thought like um you know uh arisa like just going nuts and like wiping out jamie with four straight knee strikes for the pin which was a really great finish which like that elevated a little bit to me, a, a little bit for me like uh just the the fat the really fast ending too. just in general elevated it um even though some of the like jamie rust hold stuff wasn't really that interesting before that but they really like put together an awesome closing stretch and it wasn't even that long anyway so i thought it was good enough to go three and three quarters um and afterwards arisa called out konami to be her challenger uh who beat she beat konami in the cinderella but lost her in the five star so they're gonna have the rubber match next month at corican uh taylor what'd you think of this one
1: well, I thought this was pretty good. I went three and a half. I think I was talking with Aaron earlier in the week, and I was we were talking about Arista, and I just mentioned that she just seems like someone who is sort of on her matches, has a very high floor, but a very low ceiling um, in terms of how good her matches get. I feel, you know, you just mentioned now she's had seven defenses, and I just feel like she's missing that one... You know, we talk about Mayu or Momo or Utami or Jungle, you know, all of these sort of closer to the top wrestlers who I can think back and I can think of matches. I went, you know, four and three quarters, five stars, maybe four and a half. And I can't really think of that. Um, An example of that with Arisa. Um, So it sort of fell in that range of I liked it, but it, it just doesn't blow me away.
2: Taylor or Aaron? I did it again! Wow. <laughs> yeah i
0: I just don't really care for Arisa that much. Like I went four stars on this match. I thought it was very good, but I think Jamie Hader was the biggest part of that. And I have to I have to admit and divorce myself a little from the fact that I also hate Arisa for uh, beating Momo <laughs> because I'm a huge uh, Momo Mark. But I just think. Like the things that people say about B Priestley, I think are actually true about uh, Arisa. Like, I think she's always sloppy. She always fucks up something in a match that takes me out of it. Uh, in this match, John respectfully I have to disagree on those final strikes. I thought Jamie Hader was doing everything she could to throw herself into uh, Arisa's knee. Uh, I just, I don't know, just something about her I just don't like. Uh, my favorite thing that involves Arisa is when uh, Tom uh, Nakano is like fucking with her like that's when I think she is most entertaining to me so uh, as for this match itself like I thought it was very good Uh, I think Jamie Hayter is an absolute superstar AEW should uh, pull the trigger on her and and push her to the very top uh, of that division I you know the Mayu thing is interesting because it's felt like with B and Arisa that they really didn't have a draw on top whatsoever and obviously Mayu is a, is a good draw for stardom uh, but you know they haven't done well with Arisa on top and even in this match you saw like really big let's go Jamie chance during the match and that, to me that would be concerning uh, and again that's baked in with all the context I've just given you about how I kind of feel about Hoshiki but I I don't know I just don't see it with her I would move on.
2: The goddess of stardom tag league. I have to disagree. I think Aries is pretty damn good. Uh, the goddess of stardom tag league, Red Block. Momo Watanabe and Azumi defeating Riho and Starlight Kid in 1006 uh, with the Azumi using an arm breaker on Starlight Kid. Uh, this was a really fun tag sprint at the all four grade Great Here. I'm in three and a half. Very good match. Uh, Taylor, what do you got?
1: Yeah I thought the same. I was on the probably mm. on the border of three and three quarters. I thought it was really great, fast paced. Um, you know, sort of what I would expect from these four wrestlers and I got what I expected, which um, is great because I really love all four of them and I think they're really great in the ring and they, um, <laughs> ooh, really uh, mesh well. Um, I, finally,
2: I finally didn't mute the mic before I sneezed. I've had like a really bad cold all week long and like all week since the weekend. And I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> uh, But yeah, I enjoyed it right on the border of three and three quarters. That was like my seriously my sixth sneeze on this episode. But I think it's the first one that I didn't get the mute button for in time. So sorry to the listener. They had to hear me sneeze. Aaron, what's that? Yeah, I agree with you all. This was a lot of fun. I, I
0: did. I jumped right over into three and three quarters, but I pretty much love all these people. So uh,
2: it, would, it would be hard
0: for them to do a match that I would not like. Uh,
2: the blue goddess block. Oh, no, sorry. Still the red goddess block. Jungle, Kiona, and Konami losing to Azuki and Natsuko Tora in 928 with a diving guillotine leg drop from Tora against Kiona. Uh Again, a real fun tag match. You know, maybe maybe just these this and the and the, the last one we just talked about. Maybe just could use a little more time. But I went three and a half again. Uh, Aaron, what do you think of this one?
0: I didn't like this as much as I thought I would. I love love both these teams. I just didn't think it was as good as I expected it to be. Although uh, the closing stretch was a lot of fun.
2: Tanner, uh,
1: like Aaron with Arisa, uh, I cannot be unbiased. Uh, with jungle every time she loses, even in a, you know, sort of mid card, not super important um, match like this. It really rips my heart out. <laughs> it takes me out of this because I think jungle is one of the, probably one of the best wrestlers in all of Joshi, definitely one of the best wrestlers in stardom. Um, and it just makes me sad to see her lose.
2: Um, <laughs> uh, very okay. sad. Here's something to cheer everybody up. Match number three: The Blue Block, Saya Ida and Saya Kamitani defeating Kagetsu and Andres Miyagi in five o two. A running shooting star press by Kamitani against Miyagi. Big Saya got her first pin ever. This was awesome. Uh, I mean, the match itself was like three stars, but like, like first of all, the Saya has the repeated missile drop kicks. It was really high energy, and then Kagetsu like accidentally nails Miyagi with the the sign uh big Saya runs over and she she had teased before she before in the pre-match that she had a new move you know that she wanted to try and she hits a running like a running sh- standing shooting star press um she did really overshoot poor uh miyagi and like basically only got her with her leg like leg on head which looked like it sucked but look whatever it got the pin and then afterwards she like tearfully says that she got her first pinfall She'll, she'll try to keep improving her skills to win more matches, and little Saya jumps in her arms. It was so awesome. I love this. Uh, you know, a great example of how match doesn't have to be an all time classic for you to be like really, really, just really into it, and really into everything going on here. So I loved it. Anything to add here, Taylor? Well, I was going to
1: say using the word "hit the shooting star press" was maybe <laughs> a little bit of a stretch because you actually me stay alone. I was actually enjoying it, and then that happened, and I was sort of like, "Oh no. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was good. You know, it's been a fun – it's always sort of fun to see the you know, the type of things that uh, sort of the Joshi the, – the world of Joshi fans hooks on to, so it's been fun to see them hook on to the Sayas. Uh, just wish he had really nailed that shooting star press. That would have really been great.
2: Aaron?
0: I somehow did not get spoiled on Big Sia getting the pin here, so I was... I
2: didn't either. That made it even better.
0: Yes, I was so excited. Uh, it was... Yeah, I mean, you all said everything that, that happened in the match, basically, because it was pretty short, uh, so I won't belabor it. But uh, it was a lot of fun, and I'm just happy for Big Sia.
2: She deserves it. She's great. She deserves everything. Uh, match number two, the special tag three-way. Uh, Hana Kimura and Bobby Tyler defeating... Sumari Natsu and uh, Session Moth Martina and also the team of Tom Nakano and Saki Kashima and 849 uh, Kimira used the Hydrangea I can never remember how to pronounce this Uh, Martina Um, You know this was okay, I went like two and three quarters First of all, Natsu and Martina were drinking uh, like 40 ounces of Acai in the back, great taste but also kind of makes them like salary men basically which I thought was funny Um and then Bobby had like a Martian from Toy Story, and she dropped it. And Hana, she's supposed to be like a fucking general or whatever, and she was pretty damn quick to declare the Martian dead. It's like abandoning troops in the field. I don't know if this is a great, great leadership here from Hana. Um, but yeah, like all the base stuff is like the pre the pre stuff because then Natsu and Martina had like the most ridiculous like beer spitting entrance. It was awesome. Uh, but yeah, the match is fine. Anything to add here, Aaron? I
0: will just say that if it's still up, uh, Tom had a Instagram story where she was dancing to Boombayah by Blackpink, and I just highly recommend that for everybody.
2: <laughs> Taylor? Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to add. Uh, the opener, Zoe Lucas defeating Rina and Hina in 343 with the Lucas landslide. Uh the, again, the best stuff here is all the promo. Where like, Zoe Lucas gives this pre match promo where she basically has like an existential cri- crisis about aging because she's like realizing how young Reena and Hina are, and she's like, "Do they even remember the Spice Girls? Uh, you know, these I'm so old." She's like freaking out. Um, the the best part of the actual match, which again was very short anyway, was her like patting their heads and like you know poke- pinching their cheeks and be like, "Oh, you're so cute," and then they kicked her ass, which was great um and pretty much anytime i see Rena and hina fight it's like they they look way too comfortable fighting each other it's like you two do this like all the time don't you i mean they're both like what they're both judo so i guess it makes sense they just practice judo on each other but they're like throwing each other around with these fucking judo throws it's just like this is like every day for the two of you i get the feeling that like, you're just doing judo throws on your sister but uh what did you think of this quick opener taylor yeah, I thought it was good. I thought Hina and
1: Rena had a good um strike exchange at one point. I did spend a lot of the match thinking to myself whether Japanese people would know the Spice Girls. Um
2: Well, older people would, for sure.
1: Do you in Japan, you think so? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, American pop music is very big in Japan.
1: Well, it's not American pop music, it's British. Okay,
2: same It was big in America, it will be like they <laughs> they would have played it. Look, if you watch MTV Japan, it's half fucking like American and British shit. Like, they even have like a UK top twenty.
1: All right. So, what do you think the, yeah. what do you think the age is where people stop knowing who the Spice Girls are?
2: I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe like I don't like know. Like 30, probably. Yeah, maybe. I mean look, well, Zoe Lucas knows who they are and she's like twenty-eight.
0: Yeah, that's fair. So I guess I'm wrong.
2: Yeah. Maybe like twenty two? 23. I don't know. Mm.
0: Zoe Lucas' age is not on Cage Match.
2: I found it somehow when I was looking up. Uh, I was looking for like her moves and stuff. Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm sorry. I, I would like to take this time to apologize to Zoe Lucas. She's 27, not 28, according to <laughs> according to Wikipedia. So I apologize for adding that extra year. She's she's almost on the same birthday as me though, May 2nd. So only a day later. Don't know what this means exactly. but you know. <laughs> uh, Anyone I have do... any more fucking thoughts in this, this fucking stupid match? Well, the only thing I want to say about this
0: match is I know I came on here to plug patreon.com slash everything elite. But
2: I th- I, wait, wait, check wait, wait, out... Wait. I think you mean patreon.com slash everything evolves.
0: <laughs> I do not. Everything okay. elite. Okay. But I I sh- tell everyone you should also check out Zoe Lucas's Patreon. It is essentially... <laughs> One large exercise in fin-doming, and uh, I just highly recommend it to uh, to everyone.
2: Wait, she so has a fin-dom Patreon? What the fuck?
0: Yes. Yes, she does. <laughs> <What> the <laughs> that's, the, that's the highest tier is $100, and for your
2: $100, you get literally nothing. <laughs> that, 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 that does rule. That does rule.
0: She rules. Yeah. yeah. It's
2: always good. Um, but yeah, so there you go. That was the Stardom show. A fun show overall. I mean, there, there was nothing like bad on the show. So, I don't know. Any final thoughts anybody? No, I, no, I thought, thought it was show. good.
0: Looking forward, yeah, looking forward to the Mayu uh,
2: red belt reign. Let's see what happens. All right, so folks, that'll do it here. Uh, Aaron, you, you just plugged it, so I guess go ahead and plug it again on your Twitter, whatever else you want to plug.
0: Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Aaron like the car. Make sure you check out patreon.com slash everything elite and give it uh, give it a shot. See if you like what we're offering. And if so, we will keep providing it to you at a low, low cost of as low as three dollars per month. So check it out. You can hear me uh, talk about AW, stardom, uh, maybe some New Japan and uh, bullshit about uh, leftist politics with Aaron Taub
2: uh go ahead taylor what do you want to plug
1: uh so as always you can find me on twitter at Tamambo, t-a-m-a-i-m-b-o uh catch me writing for voices of wrestling although i don't know what will be next although i guess at this point look out for the uh, new japan ebook which will be coming in a, about a month and a half
2: hey taylor um, I, I can think of something We'll need some writers world tag league uh wow that sounds so interesting but um I think my <laughs> schedule just became very
1: busy so unfortunately I uh, won't won't be able to uh make it to those reviews. Okay. Uh but yeah so keep your eyes on uh, Voices of Wrestling.
2: Uh and this is the part where I tell you folks I th- I mentioned this last week I think but we're taking uh not a long break a little break because you know this weekend is Anime NYC the big giant uh, anime convention in New York So I'm going to be attending all three days of that So not going to have a lot of time to watch anything Or record anything or anything And I do want to mention too If you if you happen to be going to that convention uh, Friday at 4.30pm I will be hosting a panel on New Japan for Wrestling So there you go If you want to come uh, check out my panel I've done this panel at a number of different cons before uh, But this will be my first time running at Anime NYC So I hope you'll come check it out if you're there. It's in room 1E17 at 4.30 p.m. Anime NYC this Friday. So if you happen to be coming to the con. Or just, if you want to just pay 70 bucks for a badge, just come see me. I'm not going to – if you're in the New York area, I can't argue. Anyway, um, so that's what I'm doing. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, not quite a full two weeks because I'm going to be recording uh, probably a week from Sunday. So like the 24th, I think. But it'll be a good little transition to our um, year in review series. So this is like the last episode before we, you know, the last, I guess, quote unquote, regular episode of the year before we start the year in review series. Uh, And the first year in review episode is going to be all about DDT. I have a great guest lined up for that, Jamie, who runs the Dramatic DDT blog. So Jamie and I will go through the entire year of DDT. Uh, We'll also talk, I guess, the Corican that's going to happen that day. And it's great in time for us to preview the D.O., which starts a few days later. So that'll be a fun time. The year interview series kicking off at DDT. Uh, A little bit of a wait for that. Not quite two weeks, but a little under two weeks, depending on when you're listening to this exactly. But look out for that in, you know, like I said, about two weeks. Follow us on Twitter at WrestleOmakase. Uh, Not wrestling. Wrestling wouldn't fit. In the meantime, folks, thank you, as always, for listening, uh, and we'll see you next time.